episode of the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week we're covering Tarantino's Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. As always, in order to have the best discussion possible, I recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode because of potential spoilers. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. How you guys doing? Oh, man. Blade Runner trailer. That's oh, been... Oh, that's right. I've yeah. had that on repeat, man. I am so <laughs> fucking stoked. It's oh, so awesome. <laughs> dream Team, man. It's the dr- oh, gosh, Blade yeah. Runner Dream Team. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> Johan Johannesana. <laughs> okay. and shooting it. Harrison it Ford. It's Deacons. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Richard Dickens. <laughs> okay. Do you know who did the original one? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Cronenworth. Cronenworth. Uh. Oh. Jeff Cronenworth, I believe. And it's his. His son is Jordan. No. Okay. No, Jordan Cronenworth, and then his son is Jeff Cronenworth, who did like Fight Club and. Um, oh. Okay. Who's uh, worked yeah. a lot with Fincher. So they're both really good DPs, but. Unfortunately, his dad, the the one who did Blade Runner, the original, he he died. I want to say in the nineties. Speaking of deaths, was that a Mountain oh Dew? yeah yeah? <laughs> <laughs> that was my beer. <laughs> we drink on this podcast. <laughs> no, but uh, speaking of deaths, Michael Parks passed away. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of ironic for this film, you know? Yeah, it really is, especially if you think about because. This movie too, he's his character in these uh, in the first one anyway is his exact same character as from Dust Till Dawn. I think he gets he dies yeah. in that one. So and I think it's the same character in uh, Death Proof too. Oh, does he yeah. do? Oh, interesting. Yeah, in that the in the hospital and <laughs> so and I uh, watched a documentary about these two movies. There's two for each one, and. Uh, Tarantino speaks in, like super highly of him as an actor, so it's like unfortunate to like you know hear that and kind of weirdly timely since we just watched these movies too. Yeah, I I didn't realize he was in both movies. You didn't? No. Do you know his second character? Yes, I just I just looked it up. Uh, oh okay. But I knew he was in the second one, but not the first one. I totally didn't recognize him. That's pretty funny. There's a funny story about how. Uh, he came up. He how he ended up being both people because he it wasn't intent. Uh, it wasn't intended. Right. He was supposed to just be the the sheriff. But uh, I guess during a table read, you know, like for little parts, they won't bring in everyone. They'll have, they have actors, day, day actresses, players, sort of a thing. Yeah, or they'll have the people there just read some parts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he actually had casted someone else for the part of Esteban. And then that person wasn't able to show, so he just had Michael Parks read it. And then he was, like, I guess he stole the show and was like, Tarantino was like, all right, pay out the other guy, pay him off. <laughs> Michael Parks has the part. So he ended up playing both wow. that way. That's pretty Which funny. is really weird because he does, like, brown face, quote unquote. Yeah. And I've never yeah. heard anyone be like, well, that was like a super racist portrayal of that. Yeah, I know you're right. That's that's because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is legitimately if good. Mo- yeah. If it's a bad movie, then then you're allowed to just rip on it for stuff like that. But if it's a really good movie, then people are like, nah. <laughs> what? A, yeah. yeah you know? it's, that's actually a good point. I didn't even think about that when I was watching it at yeah, all. It's like, straight up brown face. Gosh, he's a yeah. white guy. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of got like a, <laughs> he's kind of got like a, like a, 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 
darker skin look to him in general, just the Michael Parks in general, but definitely like yeah. It's funny. I started watching Twin Peaks again last night um because the you know, because the new Twin Peaks the episode or season 3 is going to come out soon, but uh uh it'd been a while since I'd seen it, but you know, Michael Parks is in that too and I was kind of uh-huh. you know, excited to to see him in that because he didn't have a huge part but uh i think he pops up there in the second season so i was i was i was like kind of sad i was like oh he just died and you know but i don't know it was weird <laughs> yeah it's definitely kind of out of nowhere um, but he was pretty old 77 so yeah he's yeah. getting there and his son or in he real got life there is... i guess <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man his, his uh his son in real life um, plays his deputy in this yeah, movie in the, and in all the, movie, the other yeah. movies, and he's in, and he he's in like uh, Django Unchained and stuff too. Yeah, he? yeah, he's like one of the uh, the the Dicky Mining. Yeah, the the oh, yeah the mining yeah. in the mining company yeah. and with the group that like have all the dogs that you know chase down the escaped slaves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah and mining. and he's the guy in the Hateful Eight who's the he's the stagecoach driver. The son, my, uh, Michael Parks' son. Uh, I forget his name now. Um, but yeah. Does he play like an old guy, though? James no, Parks? He play, he, James Parks, yeah. yeah. No, he play, He looks pretty much the same. He ha, he actually ages pretty good because he looks the same in this movie than he does in The Hateful Eight, you know, which was, like, what, 13 years? Diff- or, gosh, more than that. Yeah, it's been, because this 15, is 2003. Yeah, so, gosh, 14, 14 years, year difference. Yeah. He looks pretty much the same. It's kind of I guess yeah. Cool. Some people just have that, uh, you know, that quality. You know, like, like, uh, like Ke- Keanu. Like Keanu, Dude. like never ages. <laughs> I like love the that like, person ever. I love that like you see a picture of him and then someone pulled up like some painting from like a couple hundred years ago and it looks like him in oh, the painting yeah. and they're like this motherfucker just he must be a vampire because he just has an age <laughs> it's, it's true dude the guy's like 40 something like yeah well, gosh he's he might even be over 50 now he might be yeah he's definitely up there because i think he's like roughly johnny depp's age i think okay. maybe maybe a little younger <laughs> i'm not sure that's but a yeah, trip, that's crazy. Dude. Such a trip. But Depp looks older now. The yeah, last Depp, couple years, yeah. he's he's definitely aged. He's got a couple little, you know, holes in his face. You know, like when you get old, you kind of get little, like, holes <laughs> in your skin. Like, just like little, like, indents, sort of. He's got those. He kind of strikes me as, like, a, a guy who's done a bunch of drugs, though, too. Where Keanu Reeves, I don't he's, know, he's for some like, reason, he seems... Keanu, Keanu Reeves is like a good boy, right? It seems like it, yeah. It seems like yeah, a I Boy Scout. He, yeah. Well, he's had like a tough life, though. Like, like that's true. Like he, his whole personal life, he's just had like bad shit happen to him. So he's kind of like a loner, it seems. Yeah, he kind of keeps kind of keeps to himself, and then like le- like lives frugally and stuff, which is cool. Yeah, he's yeah. got that. Yeah, which is yeah, it's pretty sweet. He's like seems the, one of the nicest. He seems like he's one of the nicest people in Hollywood. For sure, like yeah. a dude you could just chill with. Like he's always had that surfer boy vibe or whatever. Like let's just <laughs> fucking chill out, bro. Like, <laughs> and then he's like Neo, and you know, made right. all his money being Neo, right? <laughs> he made yeah, he made so much, but he like donates all of his money that he earns because he has so much. Yeah, you know. But honestly, think, Bill yeah. and Ted's man, that is the best. Bill and Ted's. I have not seen that. I haven't <laughs> seen it either. Oh my god, you guys are such film. 
students. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Bill and Ted's. You guys are crazy. It's not film bro enough, man. It is. It's not film bro. It's. It's. Is that too audience pleasing? I think it's too audience pleasing for you it's guys. It's not hipster enough. I, I think it might are be. You, I'm surprised you didn't say that in your uh, film bro voice there, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob, 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 Jacob. Oh man, all the Actually, Kevin and Brian stuff from the last episode. <laughs> Jesus. I think if I were a film hipster, my name would be Jacob. I think I would just go by Jacob or something like that. Yeah. Or Jake. Or I knew a dude. I know a dude named Jake. Jake. Like his name was Jake, and for some reason he just was like, I don't want to be Jake like everyone else. I'm just have everyone call me Jake. Jake. Wow. That's uh, that's <laughs> yeah, unique, never, man. <laughs> that could be you. That'd that be could, your it could be me. Name. That's for sure. Definitely could. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. So, uh, in this episode, we're going to try something a little different with our format. Uh, I'm going to introduce both films first, kind of back to back, instead of splitting them up, and then we'll discuss both together. It kind of works with this because these two movies generally are talked about together uh but i think from here on out we're gonna kind of try that so our main topic this week is of course tarantino and the samurai revenge genre Uh, our first film is kill bill volume one made in 2003 the film was written and directed by tarantino of course produced by lawrence bender uh mitsuhisa I'm going to say Mitsuhisa Ishikawa, Erica Steinberg, E. Bennett Walsh, and the Weinstein Brothers. Uh, it stars Uma Thurman, David Carradine, Lucy Liu, Michael Madsen, Daryl Hannah, Vivica A. Fox, Julie Dreyfus, Chiaki Kuriyama, and Sonny Chiba. It was shot by Robert Richardson, who would go on to shoot the rest of Tarantino's films except for Death Proof. I actually looked that up, and I guess Tarantino is credited as the director of photography in that movie. So It makes sense. I guess. Because it's um, like the grindhouse like, that's true, yeah. style. I feel yeah. like he worked it into production a little bit. Yeah, it probably would have been weird to have Robert Richardson, Robert Richardson shoot that movie. It would be too um, good. It would be, dude. Probably, his, yeah. His cinematography, like, I, it's so like this movie compared to Jackie Brown is so starkly different, so different. Uh, yeah, just I mean, it, it. Oh, I think that pairing Robert Richardson and Tarantino amped his oh totally whole film look way. I mean, considerably, yeah. It put mm-hmm. him on a new level of like what his cinematic look is for sure. I was like blown away dude robert richardson his cinematography is just is so stunning i love the way he lights with like these really really hard harsh lights that like completely blow out where they hit but yeah. then it reflects all the light everywhere so you get the fill off of like i mean they're filling in right they fill with like the white the essentially sheets or whatever all around and then they have little lights all around but it's essentially like usually one huge light you know and what's cool about it is that a lot of people don't even emulate it at all. You know what I mean? Which is cool because then when I see a Robert Richardson shot film, it's like, oh shit, this is you know, this is Robert Richardson. You know, did this, but I, I don't know if it's because if it's not emulated because they don't just don't know how to do it properly, or I don't know if or I don't know. But his films are just so I don't know. I think Robert Richardson and Roger Deakins are some of my two favorites Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Robert Richardson, I just I really like his films for sure. I, I think a lot of it has to do with like it's such a stylistic form of lighting that most people either want 
natural looking light you know windows especially nowadays windows are really popular um or they want the really traditional three-point lighting Mm -hmm. where yes i'm saying like his is so it's like two point almost you know what i mean it's just yeah a lot of overhead style lighting like inglorious bastards to me is like the perfect example of a robert richardson shot film the way Mm -hmm. it's done because it has you know outdoor scenes has indoor scenes has night scenes you know has a little bit of everything some super stylized scenes like in the you know at the end with the in the theater the way it's shot just yeah and then this film with the the like we've already mentioned before the black and white sequences that really weren't black and white but yeah the ones that were supposed to be black and white were gorgeous yeah yeah like the the beginning right yeah Yeah. like the the beginning of the second one like especially when they're in the chapel and then the the one shot that i think of is when she's talking to bill and it's like the two shot or whatever like basically just their heads and it's basically how they're lit is just like that one huge spotlight so their whole like silhouette or like there's like that the lighting ring kind of around them and it's super bright and blown out. Yeah. And then there's just you know on by the camera there's probably like this big like white sheet and kind of around them too essentially like a bounce that fills everything else in. But it's so it's so stylized yeah. that it, it makes sense <laughs> in Tarantino's world because his movies are stylized anyway. Right. Um. I don't know, man. And then then the black and white part where she's standing on the banister addressing the whole room or whatever yeah, that yeah. part is like the way it's lit is just so stunning my favorite shot i think is when she's at the beginning of volume one um during the credit sequence or right before the credit sequence i think it's when it starts the credit sequence actually and it's black and white and she's like i think lying in her coffin or something and it's like it's a real quick shot but it's like her lying in her coffin for oh, some and reason number two is it number two? Yeah, she's buried in number two. Um, and, yeah, there's, like, she they go through the very long sequence of her being buried, and then it's all black, and then she clicks on the flashlight. Oh, there's that, but I'm talking, I think it's volume one. It's at the very beginning, right after, you know, he, Bill shoots her in the face, and then it turns to black. Mm-hmm. And then I think, bang, bang, that song comes on. Yeah. And there's, like, a little bit of, like, a, a montage, and in that little bit of a montage, there's, like, a quick... Just a quick shot. Oh, of like, oh, it's like I know her what you're talking about. Yeah, in the coffin or whatever. I'm like, oh, I think it's her. Gosh. I think it's her laying on the ground after she's been shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just so. Cool. I mean, there's a couple so of those good. that are just yeah. like, oh man, so good. Um, That's so yeah, cool. the yeah, definitely. Uh, the film was edited by Sally Menk, of course, and I gotta say, her editing really shines in this movie. Like, like, yeah. Sometimes you know I notice editing, but sometimes I don't really like notice the editing where this time I was like I could tell exactly what was going on every single time throughout the all the fights and the way she does these little insert shots where it's like like the one I noticed the first one I noticed is when she's fighting uh Vernita Green Vivica Fox and she like kicks her through the doorway at one point and there's like this little tiny shot where it's just like they're fighting cut into her kind of kicking and then cut out and it was like I don't know. For some reason, that just kind of added this nice little, like, punch to the pacing. You know, you kind of feel the kick, even though you're not there. Like, mm. um, I don't know. Something about her editing with this movie compared to the other ones we've watched so far has just been so on point. And the split-screen stuff. The split-screen stuff. Again, yeah. The, the Brian De Palma homage and stuff. Oh, so cool. Oh, that's funny that you say that because uh, in the interview, as he was talking about, he's, like, talking about how 
this movie is also like a mishmash of all these genres and he was basically like um where did i put oh he said so you have the yakuza and their example is like lucy lou talking to the bosses or whatever the samurai obviously the sword fighting the spaghetti western you know mostly volume two is mostly spaghetti western it's kind of sprinkled into the volume one um italian giallo and they referenced that as the the hospital sequence right, right. i was like holy shit yeah that totally is totally. like <laughs> along with the colors all the, you know the horror vibe everything like that and then yeah he's like the brian de palma scene or whatever his like homage like brian de palma so <laughs> it's good that you caught on to that um so the music was by the rizza so this was the first film that he used original music for and i guess they uh he was a big fan of like wu-tang clan i guess and so at one way or another he ended up meeting him and then basically they nerded out over like old kung fu movies and martial arts <laughs> films because i guess the rizza is like obsessed with it and he was like, yeah, you know, we were kind of, like, kicking it. And I was telling him, like, I have this, like, really old vintage, like, videotape that, like, no one else has. And this is the RZA talking. And he's like, you know, of this whatever movie. And Tarantino's like, oh, yeah, I got the 35-millimeter master print. He's <laughs> 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 like, these two nerds just, like, you trying to one-up each other. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, funny. Didn't, uh, didn't Robert Rodriguez do... Some of the volume two, for the second one, yeah, okay. yes, yeah. Yep. So that's why you can kind of feel that difference too. Like, mm-hmm. and he actually did it for free. He was like, he was basically like, "Yo, man, I gotta, I want to work on this movie. I want to do some music. Uh, tell you what, I'll do it for free. And then you can use it. You can, I'll give it to you, and then you can use it or you can not use it. You know, if you like it. And I guess like he just kind of fell in love with it. So I heard that that um. Tarantino, you know how he directed that one scene in Sin City, um, mm-hmm. how that was like payback for the song. Mm. I guess that's what I heard, but I don't know. That's I guess cool. like oh, that's interesting. I, I heard that like he, Rodriguez charged Tarantino a dollar for the song, and then and the and then a the dollar for Tarantino to to <laughs> direct the scene or whatever it was. Like, like I, I forget how it worked, but yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. They're like best friends, so, yeah. you know, it's kind of just, and that's why they ended up doing <laughs> Death Proof and Planet Terror together, yeah, too, yeah. you know? Um, and, like, I guess, I mean, From Dusk Till Dawn before that, too. That's true, yeah. Because, like, you know, Tarantino acting and writing it, and then Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez directed directing it, yeah. It no, but it's totally cool that the Rizzo was part of this, though, because you can definitely feel, like, it's kind of got that hip-hoppy vibe, but it's, like, you know, Japanese yeah. music. Like, the music, the, the score in this movie is, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, the production design was done by Yohei Taneda um, and David Wasco. So David Wasco is kind of this repeating name as well. And I'm thinking there was two people listed for that because... I think David Wasco probably did all the American stuff. And then when they went to Japan and China, they had Tarantino was really specific on wanting to have a multicultural cast and then have like the local people be part of the cast. So like they wanted to hire Japanese workers and Chinese workers and stuff to be a part of the filming process. So I think that's why there's two uh, listed there. And then, like, in that same vein, you know, there's a ton of names for makeup, a ton of names for costumes. I just, I didn't want to list them all out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just going to be too long. Um, so, speaking of, the film was shot in a bunch of places. 
uh, kind of it's definitely an internationally made film. Uh, they shot in California and Los Angeles. They shot in Texas. They shot in Mexico. They shot in Japan and they shot in China. Uh, they actually shot on the Shaw Brothers Studios, and that's why that Shaw Scope thing is up there too, because that's supposed to be like you know an homage to the Shaw oh. Brothers martial arts film and whatnot. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So he actually got a chance to shoot on those studios, which I'm sure for him was you know a dream. Oh yeah, he probably loved that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so it had an estimated budget of about thirty million dollars, his highest budget to date, and it went on to make. You know, close to like a hundred million or something like that. So it definitely made its money back and then some. Hundred and eighty. Uh, f- Whoa, was it that high? Yep. Holy crap! Holy cow! Yeah. So yeah, six times its budget. Yeah. Um, see, the film was presented out of chronological order, but it was actually shot in order, which I wanted to bring up because that's <laughs> so really, weird. It's so weird. Yeah, isn't that weird? That it was yeah, well, chronologically? Yeah, no, that's that, yeah, it totally is. That's why I wanted to bring it up, because it's a very, like, atypical way to do it. Usually yeah. you shoot what's the most efficient and cost-effective way, regardless of, you know, of basically it all comes down to cost. So, like, very, very, very few directors actually shoot stuff chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with Nicholas Reining Refn is super like into shooting chronologically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chronologically. Who, is, uh, who is that? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of any of his movies, man. Probably you know, not. Uh, yeah. There's he's, a little he's, movie he's called shoot. Drive. <laughs> and the I've Neon Demon. This little, this little star named Ryan Gosling. I don't know. <laughs> he, Ryan Gosling. He's, he's in this From movie La La coming Land? out called. Uh, he's in this new movie. Uh, <laughs> Was it Blade Runner or whatever? Yeah, whatever that yeah, movie is. Yeah, Runner. like I don't know. From Crazy Stupid Love, Forty Nine. <laughs> Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, I actually, it, love that, that, that movie. Academy so Award nominated Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, has he been nominated more than once? Uh, I, I think so. Probably at least twice. No I think once or twice. I definitely once. But I think maybe he twice. was for La La Land. Yeah, he wasn't for for La La Land, but he might have been for The Place Beyond the Pines, maybe? Yes, that sounds right. Okay, or well. Blue Valentine. I can see either one. Oh, yeah, Blue Valentine. God, I always forget about that movie. That movie's fucking good. Drive was too film bro for the Academy. They were like, yeah. yeah. I think he just stands I there. He might have been nominated for like one Oscar, though, like the sound so. editing or something like okay. that. Okay. So but that's not Gosling, though. I have, yeah, right. His, he's been nominated twice, one for La La Land, one for, you guys have any guesses? What's your what's your best guess? Man, it could be one from a long time ago. I don't know. I'll I tell don't you think what. it was Blue Valentine. You guys haven't met, haven't mentioned it. It's um, n- none of the movies we've mentioned. Not the Believer, right? No. Nope. Uh, Is it recent? Tw- uh, Two thousand six. Uh, not the Notebook. There's no way. Is it's, it? It's uh, Half Nelson. Oh, Half Nelson. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, of yeah. Have not oh. seen this one. I should watch it now. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard of that movie. That was like in his Lars and the Real Girl kind of air stage, right? That was like his up and coming. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that I haven't seen that because I love Ryan yeah, Gosling. Se- He's like, yeah, I haven't favorite. seen it either. He's hot. <laughs> uh, he's pretty good in Song to Song too. Oh, you oh, saw yeah, it? I watch Song to Song. Yeah. Oh Didn't man, I, that I haven't I seen it? it. Fuck. Didn't I say that I watched it? I'm jealous. I don't think you did because I think 
I think the last time we talked about like what we've seen was when you said when you saw um, Voyage in Time or whatever, and then you were looking for a place to see it. I'm. Pr- I, I, I don't think we've talked. I, I, ta- I did see it. I didn't end up seeing it. I had to go to. Where do we go? We went to Seattle to see it. I think. Oh, sweet. Um, and you know, comparatively speaking, I think it's definitely one of the weaker movies. And but he's pretty good in it. And yeah, Fastbender's cool. pretty good. And Fastbender's a, a fucker in that movie for <laughs> oh, sure. <nice. laughs> they're, they're all they're all kind of bastards and like people you don't generally like, you know. But um, no, Gosling's he was kind of more like drive esque in that one where his. It was like these like one-liners and a oh, soft-spoken okay. voice, you know, like yeah. He was super dreamy. You mean it was? Yeah, no, he totally was. Yeah, <laughs> he's batting his eyes at me from the screen. Oh god, I'm melting <laughs> right now just thinking about it. Dude. <laughs> uh, where are we at here? Oh, so yeah, shooting in order. Yeah, totally a thing that doesn't usually happen. Um, and the fact it's even weirder because this movie, again, just like his other movies, is shot is uh, out is not chronological. I think. Was Jackie Brown? Was that chronological? I, it, I, think, I think it is. So. Yeah, I think, I think so. it is. Yeah. yeah, I think it's his only one. So I think Death Proof is also chronological as well. But then obviously he starts messing with that again. Uh, Come and glorious bastards and and yeah. I don't know. Django might be chronological. I don't know. I haven't seen Django. Django has a few like flashback sequences, oh, okay. like w- when they are escaping oh, right. together and stuff like that. Right, gotcha. Right. Bruce okay. Dern as the slave guy, but uh, but it's the slaver. It, it, you would call it chronological with flashbacks, would it, wouldn't you? Like, would would that be? Like, is it told so? Like, is Django told so out of order that it's non chronological, or is it like in order but they occasionally do a flashback? I think like, it'd be in order, but the occasional flashback. Yeah. Occasional flashback. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but obviously, know, in here in a couple episodes, two episodes, we'll be covering that one. So I'm not a film expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, none of us are. <laughs> hey, I'm a film expert. Sucker listeners. <laughs> you made it ten episodes, or nine episodes, and now we, we dropped the ball. We're we not experts. That's it. It's all downhill from here. We're Uh-oh. ending the podcast now. <laughs> Suckers, uh, give us your money. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so the infamous fight scene at the House of Blue Leaves took eight weeks to film six weeks longer than it should have so it was actually scheduled for two weeks wow which is pretty unheard of because uh from what i understand tarantino is very 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 specific about staying on schedule and staying uh, on budget apparently so (laughs) yeah apparently he (laughs) broke his own rules here and and went six weeks over um which a scene like that man i can imagine taking like all the resets you'd have to do if you if you wanted to reset like yeah. the effects the yeah. bodies the blood like and like in the yeah. snow you know the snow part see you know at the end there yeah like, i mean just like with that at least the little sequence with um lucy lou and her and you know and the yeah you'd have to reset the snow with every yeah you know, i don't know it'd yep. just be crazy. Yeah. you have to wipe away their footprints and everything yeah. for sure yeah um so i don't know i'm yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they... I, I think it was a soundstage that they did that on. Well, the the snow scene for sure, but the actual, like, big fight with the Crazy 88, I'm pretty sure was a soundstage. Yeah, I think it was a big soundstage, yeah. yeah. At least from, like, I think from the pictures that I remember seeing, it was all, like, yeah. There was, like, 
blue screen in the background and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so Tarantino and his effects crew specifically stayed away from any CGI effects within that big fight scene. Instead, they utilized practical effects such as condoms and fire extinguishers to get some of the blood effects. You know, some of like the the spraying blood, uh, blood squibs or whatever. Like they they were they purposely. Uh, he specifically was like, if we were shooting, if we were like a bunch of kids or whatever with sixteen millimeter shooting in our backyard, what would we use to get these effects? Was kind of like his his the thought process he was trying to get for his production crew. Right. So, like, let's use ways that, like, back in the 70s and whatnot, they would use to, like, make these effects. And it, it made it cheesy, but it also worked. Oh, yeah. totally, you know? yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's so. like the style of the... It's like the art of the movie sort of a thing is... Yeah, totally. Exactly. back to that, yeah. It it's, makes it so much better, because, like, like, if it was digital, it would just be so... You can tell with blood. Yeah. Like, so it would just easily. so be... It would, it would have ruined it, I think. Like, yeah. really... What, what, think, do you, what do you mean? Did what do you mean digital? Like the, like, like if it the, was CG? Like, yeah, like the CG blood. Like right. it, like you know, like three hundred or something like that. Like it would have just looked terrible in this movie. You know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have worked like at all with like the story they were trying to tell or the yeah. style that fits like the rest of the movie. Like it, I think it would have been weird. Yeah, I also think like if they would have went too realistic with how to how it played out too, it would have been weird too. Like they went so over the top with it that it made sense. Where if they tried to tone it back and keep it like, you know, like a quote unquote realistic with how a sword would actually, you know, do damage to a body, like I don't think that would have worked either. So no, yeah, right. good good choice certainly. Um, so fun little fact here for people who don't know like about special effects or anything really. Condoms are actually used quite a bit in films, uh, from blood squibs to intestines. I know there's a local filmmaker here and special effects guru named Langley West um, who has used uh, paper towels stuffed into condoms glued together to kind of make real-looking intestines. Uh, So you just kind of do, you know, you, you stuff them in there and whatnot, you put it all together and then you can do like some blood and kind of like some sticky goop or whatever and you gotta get like so cool yeah <laughs> so condoms shout out are, to Langley shout out to Langley Langley uh, so I yeah, don't condoms, know you but I know what <laughs> condoms are pretty pretty popular when it comes to like in the relatively speaking for a production budget they're pretty cheap yeah. to buy a bunch of them um, yeah so. just cause like the cast you, normally, you want your cast to have sex with each other before, just to get them comfortable <laughs> with one another. Yeah. There's also that, so you get the the yeah. added benefit of protection, dual as use. well as your special effects. Dual use. They recycle those, you know that, right? The the used ones that they use for special effects. They the, just give it the to the cast, cast or the yeah. Oh, they just give them. To the, oh, I was thinking that all of the, the above. They just all get recycled. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the cast was like, here we finish this one. You can fill it with blood now. <laughs> oh that wait, too. there's already blood in it. It just adds to the effect of the blood. <laughs> it's funny because, like in Platoon, when Willem Dafoe gets shot, you know the, I don't know, twenty or more times in that mm-hmm. slow motion sequence, like you could actually see like some of the the latex from the condoms that they use, oh, really? like, kind of like uh-huh. flapping. It's kind of funny, like when they uh, get when they, yeah. I mean, they're totally great That's to use awesome. because they're they're supposed to be durable, right? They're like fairly elastic, whatnot. It's supposed to be durable. They're not supposed to break, so you can stuff them with yeah. like blood. And then you put the little, like, explosive squib in it or whatever, and you can, you know, blow it apart, but it'll hold all that stuff until it needs to be, you right. know, blown apart. The many uses of condoms. 
Certainly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what other uses do they do they have? I well never mind. No, no. <laughs> uh, I use them for everything really. Yeah. <laughs> Put cere- cereal <laughs> fill it with milk and Cheerios. <laughs> oh man. You just slurp it out of it. <laughs> just stick a straw in there. It's a smoothie. Oh, oh man. man. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know which direction to go with this podcast anymore. Like, are we just going to go full blown? Let's just get the, the mature content oh, like, I rating. Think, I or think whatever? we should become a sex education podcast. How to, how to teach sex ed through movies. Yeah. How to, <laughs> how to learn about sex via movies. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a niche podcast. That would, yeah, that would be yeah. great. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I bet there is like a podcast that like is completely like about like sex scenes in movies oh, and stuff. Sure. Like, like that's yeah. all they're about, you know? Or a blog or something yeah. or just yeah. like uh... <laughs> porn lookalikes, you know? Right. <laughs> porn that's everything, lookalikes. Yeah. yeah. I think cause I think that's a thing. Like I think like I think no, it's no, a big it's thing. A, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally a thing. <laughs> so, let, we can let, to, to, okay. We I guess our, up. a good transition would <laughs> Hi, be <Mom. laughs> a good transition would just go right into the foot fetish thing here in Kill Bill. Yes. Oh, yep. I was gonna bring that up too, for sure. For sure. Because um, I wanted to talk about the multiple feet shots that are in the movie and how I think. The very first foot shot is of Michael Parks' character, actually, when he's walking into the the chapel with his son. I'm pretty sure that's the very first one we see. So there's multiple male foot, uh, you know, feet shots or whatever foot shots. I don't even, I don't know. Um, you see, you see Bills. You see that Michael Parks is. Um, you see Bud's feet as well. Uh, but kind of like what we talked about, I think it was in the Reservoir Dogs episode where with men, all their feet are covered, and then Uma Thurman's feet, you see it, see her feet multiple times. You see it uh, uh, when she's uh, after she's got out of the hospital. You see it in Volume Two when she's wearing kind of like the sandals or whatever. As you see yeah. their feet walk together, and her feet are always like you know bare. Yeah, because when she's lying in her pool of blood you know in the first film at the beginning she's you know she's not wearing any shoes she's just lying there with you know bare feet well i think she's wearing like those like really thin sandals but uh, essentially bare feet right like yeah, yeah. like for all intents and purposes thong, they're called like thongs or flip-flops yeah, or whatever right. yeah yeah exactly but they're not like flip they're like fancy ones yeah 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 so that's that's one thing that i definitely noticed in this too is how many feet like different feet there are that yeah. he shows there's a lot um, and i don't i mean i guess i kind of get it why he did the michael parks one because you can see all the bullets and everything and kind of like that idea of destruction but it seems like the only other people he shows the feet of are like really important individuals like bill and uh bud you know because they're they're pretty big on the list um i don't know you know it's kind of this is a little i mean it's related to feet the in volume two when um beatrix kiddo uma thurman's character is uh buried alive in the coffin the 
cowboy boots that she's wearing are the same cowboy boots that Michael Madsen's character in Reservoir Dogs wore. They're the exact same pair. And the switchblade that she uses to cut herself out of the rope is the same switchblade that he used to cut the ear off in Reservoir Dogs, too. Uh, which is kind of cool. Callback. That's kind of fun. Yeah. And then the same with the kerosene um, tank that Michael Madsen uses to pour over the gas on the yeah. top in Reservoir Dogs. That can be seen in Michael Madsen's trailer in wow. Field of Light 2. Which when, is cool. When the aspect ratio is like squished, when it's square, and it's like in the background. Gosh, I, I don't. Oh, even not in the trailer. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking about in the truck. My, my. Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, I think not I in the trailer. Think it's yeah. in the trailer. Oh. I don't know, but yeah, yeah it's no, kind of cool. Think you're probably. I think you're right. Yeah, that's it's, the first time since I've watched this movie. I've watched. I've seen it like multiple times now. That I noticed the aspect ratio change. I yeah. never noticed that before. I don't know why. It's really obvious. I don't know why I didn't notice it, but it's like... It's incredible. It's, yeah. No, I, I'm right yeah, there with you. Cool. I, I thought that that was how... When I first saw that, I was like, oh, is she in the... Co-? Like, because it's been a while since I've seen this movie, and I was like, oh, is she going in the coffin now? Because I remember her getting buried alive, but I thought for, like, a second that she had already been buried alive and that they were doing it in this like cropped aspect ratio and i was like oh that's kind of cool like they're mm-hmm. it makes you feel claustrophobic like that's yeah. kinda, and then and then she wasn't <laughs> so i was a little disappointed but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it kinda, was still cool yeah it kind of got you started with that feeling yeah it kind of like it, it felt like that that choice was like she was still like coming to so it was like a way to like that that's what i kind of saw it as is like she's She's still, like, coming out of her, like, being knocked unconscious. Like, she's slowly kind of realizing, so it's kind of neat. Right. Are there more foot shots of women in this movie than the men's? I don't, I don't know. I think so. Because, like, like the, the, the Japanese all-girl band, what, the crazy they're, yeah. you know, the five, the five, seven, six, eight, six, whatever, they're five, up there. Seven, eight, they have it, right? no, yeah, no, they're, they have, I was watching for that, and they. I don't think no you really on. see their feet. No, you you so do a I lot. Do. Yeah, well, because th- when they're playing, um, there's like a sequence when Lucy Liu is up there, and like we we see that um, the bride has like come to, you know, take her out, and there's like this whole like two minute sequence or maybe a minute long sequence of like just the band music is playing, and they're you're just kind of sitting like waiting for something to happen, and it's just shots of. Like it, there's honestly like shots of their feet. Like it's not like a close up, but it is like a like a medium shot of like all their feet, and then they have oh, wide shots of them just standing normally, but they're they're totally no shoes on type of. Oh, okay. Of so then there's like Lucy Lou wearing her like sandal things, but she's wearing socks, right? Yeah. So there's those, and then there's Uma Thurman with her. You actually like, I'm, now that I think about it, you actually see her in shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, when she's wearing the Bruce Lee, uh, the yellow and black well, uh, yeah, suit. The jumpsuit thing. The yeah. jumpsuit. She's well, wearing that, like, but then the, in the scene where she just got done killing Vivica Fox, true. when she walks away, you see the kids, the back. it's like the back of the kids' legs and feet, and then you see her feet, and then she's got the shoes on. Yeah, you know, right. She walks through the cereal or whatever. But, I mean, I think you see... Well, what about that scene where 
she has to wiggle her toe. And, <laughs> and it's I like know. oh that, the yeah. dramatic like <laughs> slow zoom to the face, slow zoom to the feet. And yep. it like it's so close to the feet. It's like insanely close. Yeah. It's, it's almost gross. Like you can oh, almost see like you could like oh, there's like you can see Wait, all I the mean, little particles on there, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can see everything. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't leave much to the imagination. <laughs> it's like Tina <laughs> yeah. wanted. It's like he got yeah, he got this like weirdly long sequence where he got to look at her feet, but it's not gratuitous. That's the thing, is he got no. away with it without it being gratuitous. So. Well it's part of the story, you know? And yeah, like, exactly. If he could have written it differently, but it made sense for like how he was any I don't think he did it his own way, but it didn't I don't think it, you could it didn't have to be feet. You know, but I think that was a really interesting choice that she couldn't walk. So it kind of, yeah, it made that whole scene really interesting where she had to get the wheelchair and she had to figure out how to beat the shit out of that guy who like raped her, you know, um, with the door. Buck. The, Buck. Yeah, Buck. To, uh, <laughs> pussy, pussy wagon. <laughs> Um, God, that guy's so cringy. Uh, that guy's also Vaseline just... jar with all the hair added to it. <laughs> Perfect. So <gross>. Perfect. <laughs> and he just, like, keeps it in his back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the scene where she has to, like, get up into the car is, like, really cool because it's, like, that's uh, something you could just easily do, but it's, like, a, a perfect, like, challenge for your character. It's, like, really, like, a really simple challenge that's really interesting to watch. It's cool because, like, it's like James Bond, right? He gets into a fix, and then he just cuts, and he's all, like, back to normal walking, right? Like, whereas, yeah, like, true. this is cool because, like, you get to see her, like, have to um, overcome certain physical, you know, um, issues that she's having, you know? Like, yeah. of course, she's been in the the you know in a coma for however long, right? And then, mm-hmm. so, of course, she wouldn't just learn how to walk all of a sudden you know so it's kind of right. cool that he right. took the time to add that in there I, yeah that's i think that's true sense. for like all of the or like all of the movie really like when someone gets hit you can like you see it you know like when uh uma thurman gets slashed in the back like she's like out for a significant amount like in in that fight you know when she when she comes out of the being buried alive like she's like really dirty and like limping a little bit you know so that whole fight with um the california mountain snake l driver yeah Yeah, the eye eye patch lady uh she's (laughs) she's like limping like the whole time like it's so i really like that scene too where they're that fight (laughs) scene like actually now i think about it she can't open the sword like she's trying to like unseed the sword and she tries like six times and she (laughs) it's like too small of a space it's hilarious (laughs) Uh, just real quick, there is this quick, quick insert shot where you see L Driver's feet and Uma Thurman's feet in the same because she digs her heel into yeah, her foot. Yeah, yeah. So there is, there's actually a, a female foot that has a shoe on. There you go. And there's also because I want to say there's a, a shot somehow of uh, Julia Dreyfus's character. Sophie, Julie, Julie uh, Dreyfus, Sophie Julie, Fatal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a shot. Of, I thought right of her. Feet I don't too, maybe think so. Ah, gosh, I don't know. But I maybe don't know. maybe it's. Yeah, shit. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised so, um, if if it was in there, though, because <laughs> you kind of see everyone's feet in this movie. It's just kind of a foot movie. Foot movie. Foot movie. Yeah. yeah. 
Footloose. Which I, I guess makes sense, you know, with the kung fu and stuff like yeah. that, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's important. Yeah, yeah. Part. Certainly. You know? uh, so, let me, before we dig too much deeper into it, let me just do the second film real quick. Uh, so, the second film is Kill Bill Volume 2, obviously, made in 2004, well, released in 2004. Um, so, basically, all the cast and crew are the same for this as the first. They just kind of, if, you know, some people shifted characters. Uh, Gordon Liu, for example, was the head of the Crazy 88 in Volume 1, and then he was Pai Mei in Volume 2. Oh. Uh, which is really cool because Gordon Liu is famous for the martial arts and kung fu movies in the past, and Pai Mei is actually a character that is not Tarantino's own, that has been in a bunch of fi- uh, film and TV and stuff in the past, and actually Gordon Liu was in a movie where he fought Pai Mei, yeah. and then he becomes Pai Mei. <laughs> yeah, so... Whoa. This movie has these weird like callbacks to kung fu, but also mixes in... like. Like, you know, they used a, a, a choreographer that was, like, for The Matrix and whatnot, too. So, like, you know, he was, like, an Asian choreographer who knew the fighting and stuff like that. So, like, there's this cool, like, This combination tie-ins. of old school and new school. Like, yeah. This is it's yeah. awesome. Super yeah, cool. Yeah, super cool. Stuff. Um, so, yeah, the budget for this film is the same as the other one because they were shot and conceived as one longer film. So $30 million was the total for both films. The original version... 60 was the total for both. 30. Was it 60? It I thought 30. it was 30 for both for Thir- both of them. I thought it was 30 each, so 60 for... Because in a way, 60 seems more realistic, but then again, it was 2003, 2004, so the money probably went farther back then, but... I I'll, read I'll it I'll as it 30 million total, but it could be 30 and 30, uh, because... Oh. Like I said, the film was made as one long film, right, right. and it wasn't until after that the Weinstein's kind of got involved and and had him chop it up. Yeah, which I'm kind of glad they did because I think we would have had a we have a longer movie now. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I think yeah. he originally was thinking of just having like a four hour movie, but I think if you combine it, I think it's a little over four hours. I right. think there wasn't a ton that got cut because. If he if he kept it as one movie, they would have had to cut a ton of it out. Like the anime yeah. sequence wouldn't have been in there. Yeah. Um, oh man, the anime sequence yeah. has to be uh, in there. Has so to be. good for sure. <laughs> it's uh, the best. So like, okay, so I just looked it up. According to Box Office Mojo, the production budget for Kill Bill Volume One and <laughs> Kill Bill Volume Two are each thirty million. Okay. Okay. There you go. So Does, is that, that would with be... like marketing and stuff too? No, that's just production budget. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, all the budgets you see on like wikipedia or whatever they don't include marketing um and they're all rough anyways like that was 60 mil was probably like the budget they started with you know at some point and that's just what got released to the public like maybe even before the production like even started you know cool well i'm glad we got that cleared up because then i just pay attention to how i read it next time for sure yeah you fucked up hard keith i know my facts are <laughs> my facts are not facts i'm not an expert screw all you guys they're they're fake facts <laughs> they're uh what alternative, is it? alternative facts. yeah <laughs> fake news <laughs> um we just went political folks no. yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> sex education politics we got it all here on the movie podcast <laughs> <laughs> We uh, are the TMZ of podcasts, right? Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned that last week. We so. are the TMZ of podcasts. <laughs> oh. 
so the original version that was basically the combination of the two films was what premiered at the 2003 Cannes Film Festival. So it was that uh, the the cut that was just over four hours long. Oh man, that'd been cool to see that. That would have been sick. Yeah. yeah so I guess. I'll talk about that in just a second, too. Um, there were some differences as well in, uh, in that cut compared to what we have now. Uh, so I guess there was no Klingon proverb at the beginning. Uh, instead, it was like a dedication to like an uh, actor or director. Um, the anime sequence, I guess, is longer with more gore. Yeah. Sophie Fatale loses both of her arms instead of just one. <laughs> so this is all in the the big cut, not the two movies. Oh. Um, the fight at the House of Blue Leaves was in color. And it only went black and white for the theatrical release, so that would have been crazy to see if you were at that festival. Yeah. Oh man, so yeah, cool. that would have been insane. Yeah, uh, the sequence where we learn that the bride's daughter is still alive—that happens at the uh, very end of Volume One—is not present, and neither is the black and white sequence where Uma Thurman is driving and recapping the events of her path yeah. of rampage. Yeah. Um, instead, what they did was they did an intermission, which you typically do for these long movies. So you, you know two hours in they, they stop it do like a 20 minute 50 minute intermission or whatever and then bring people back in for the the second half uh the exact copy of the film what did i say oh this this copy of the film um is the one that's called the whole bloody affair so this version that showed at, uh that screened at can so when you when you search around for it, you see that that's that's what it's referring to, uh, and it was shown again actually eight years later at Tarantino's own cinema, the one that he actually owns, called the New Beverly in L.A., uh, and it's I guess it's exact the exact version, um, and supposedly this version has been released. I think we talked about this at one point. We kind of just touched on it. I haven't found it any sort of release anywhere uh supposedly it's some specific countries but like i said i couldn't find anything one yeah, way or another it, it's because i've read about it you know it's like i've read that it, like in japan like I, that's how you like i think that's like how you that's what was released there but i don't know if it's like that on blu-ray or dvd oh man I but wish. i but i but that's what i i read a couple places where like it you know it's only in the u.s and i think europe where it's black and white during the i don't know it's weird well it's one of those things where one of these days i might have to just fork up the money and see if i can get a japanese copy and and get a region whatever it is blu-ray player region locked uh, one yeah right (laughs) see if if it is but i don't think they've released the whole bloody affair in a that's what i'm talking about okay yeah yeah what i mean like yeah, I, I, I thought that supposedly I, I heard it was released. I know, me too. Like, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's anything. the thing. Like, you know, you can find, like, artwork for it and stuff. Right, right. But I've, I've yet to actually find, you know, it's probably, you know, it's probably not official. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably, right, yeah. uh, it's probably some ripped. ripped version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as I know from the research I did Tarantino has the only copy like the master copy oh man and occasionally screens it at a cinema so if you're lucky enough to be in Southern California and pop in there and see it I'm sure it's packed every time it shows um guys, hopefully his house doesn't burn down right guys, yeah. let's do a movie about a group of guys three guys that do a podcast Ooh. and they team up and they steal 
the master print of Kill Yes. Bill. Dude, can we get Tarantino From to, Tarantino. to act in it? Okay, I, I have a better idea. Instead of doing a movie, let's let's do a podcast about it. <laughs> we'll just do an episode of Radio Drama do a podcast. podcast. Do a radio drama. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Dude, I like it. that's not a bad idea if you could actually pull Tarantino into doing that. I wonder yeah, if yeah. that was something to be like. He'd be down to do. It would be cool to do like a. It'd be like it'd be like a man on a mission movie, right? Like yeah. it'd be like. It kind of be like Inglorious Bastards, where these guys have to go do you know a mission, but it's stealing a film print from Tarantino himself. Actually, yeah. it could be a really entertaining movie. Like, yeah, I, I would, I, yeah, I could see it as like a comedy. Kind of a, yeah, like kind, like of, kind a good of idea. Yeah, ca- like kind of like a cool comedy and like kind of meta too, because it's like it takes place in this world, but yet it hasn't and you know hasn't happened. Right. But so anything could happen. So like. Like you know how Adolf Hitler dies, and yeah, and like right. we, like one of us like accidentally shoots Tarantino, <laughs> right? <laughs> be like he die, like he like dies in, in it. Uh, that would be it's hilarious. Like, like in Zombieland, I was gonna say yeah, Zombieland. Uh, Bill Murray's house, and like Bill Murray's pretending to be a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we could totally hilarious. do that. Like, like yeah, we should, we should, we should make that movie guys we should <laughs> not kidding we should my, write it my down. only concern yeah. is down. are Here. film bros interesting down. to look at and <laughs> on screen <laughs> like i don't know if film no. bros uh, no we'll we'll make it cool we'll make it we'll, cool. Make it we'll cool, get ryan yeah. gosling to play Ooh, me. never mind <laughs> concern's gone <laughs> this is what it's like to work uh, in the studio system i'm the studio <laughs> oh, to, oh ryan gosling have, yeah oh okay yeah how much money do you need we can have like ryan gosling ryan reynolds and another ryan uh, <laughs> dude, if you could actually have Tarantino attached to this movie, you might dude, be able to pull in random talent like dude, that. Yeah, heck yeah. To have like a like you know like a sixty million dollar budget for this sick. movie. It'd be awesome. <laughs> I, I actually really want to write this movie now. Let's shoot the spec. <laughs> let's, do let's do it. Let's do it, guys. Let's do it. We'll take it to town. Change the world. I think we could. I think that's actually not a bad idea. So I might have to cut this whole section out of the podcast. <laughs> I know, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, this is a copyrighted already. I'm on it right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is ours. Called it dibs. Well, Mine. <laughs> we can't. You can't own an idea. But if any of our listeners, if we find out that you stole our idea, we'll kill you. Kill Bill style. <laughs> true. True. We'll come to your. We'll write your name on a list. We'll come to your house. While your kid is coming home from school and knife fight you. <laughs> and you'll attempt to shoot us through a cereal box and miss, and then we'll knife you. Kaboom. Yeah. This will be our end to Hollywood in becoming yeah. like big time filmmakers right here. I already How did you guys I, get started. We shot Tarantino big, in the face. I feel big time already. Like, I, 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 I already I feel like I shouldn't be doing the podcast anymore because I have better things to do. Oh, shit. That's oh, cool. That's cool. We got yeah. people to replace you oh, with. Oh, wow. Yeah, they want to be as good, though. They're not as good. I, think I you'd feel be hurt. I feel really I'm hurt. the best. You guys, I always felt like okay, there was, Jacob, get the fuck out of here. If we're, if we're Destiny's child, I'm Beyonce. You guys are the other two. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm Whitney Houston. He wasn't even part of that. Okay, Whitney. Oh, man. Holy oh, God. Wow. You know, I always felt like there was a weak, weak you know, link between the three of us, and I guess we kind of figured out who it is. <laughs> Because of the Destiny's Child reference? Destiny's Child Because of all of it. Say my name, say my name. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's staying in. (laughs) Yeah, keep it in. I have a good Uh. voice. (laughs) 
no. I like how there's like nobody was. Good. Yeah, he like, no, was silent. Can't, can't go anywhere. <laughs> yep. Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> Sorry, Yake, but uh, <laughs> it's yake. actually Yake Yake. <laughs> yake Yake. That's right. Yake Jake Yake. <laughs> wow. Oh man. <laughs> Holy crap. I don't, even, I don't even know how to pull us back around. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Um. <sighs> so, yeah. That's our movie idea. Don't <laughs> fucking steal it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, if you do, we'll kill you. That Jacob said that. Yep. Um, so, um, I guess... Our, so, we can... Or, or with this new thing, we're talking about both films now, right? Mm-hmm. So... Oh, sweet. Like, wh- as a whole, like, I just consider it one movie, really. Totally, yeah, totally. Like, do, what, are, what about you, Jacob? Um, I, I would consider it, it one movie. It, it honestly, it, parts of it feel like one movie, parts of it don't. The things that they included, it's, like, incredibly obvious. The things that <laughs> are not meant to be in the movie, like the intro to Kill Bill 2, where she's, like, she's she's talking to the audience, she's talking about... In our last, in the last cinematic masterpiece, blah 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 blah. I found out, blah blah blah, and killed blah. You know, and it's uh, it's so different from the rest of the movie. But it's like they really own the uh, <coughs> the fact that they are just talk like they're just saying. I totally forgot what the the phrase is, but they're just like catching up everybody and like recap re- re- recapping and um. But the movie itself, I mean. I mean, it goes to chapter six in Kill Bill 2. There's a credit sequence at the end of Kill Bill 2, which includes all the uh, volume one characters. Um, But I think that for for me, even though these are totally the same movie and they were shot back to back, I still see them as separate movies because of those (laughs) things that they included, like the intro of Kill Bill 2 and the outro of Kill Bill 1. However, I I would much rather prefer to watch the whole bloody affair. Like I I, I would prefer to just watch these without that extra stuff in there. Um, like without the the hook at like the cliffhanger thing with the oh doesn't she know her kid's alive? Like I don't I don't need that for in this movie. I'd rather just watch it like yeah. all the way through. Yeah, I I honestly for me personally, I didn't really ever feel the impact of that scene anyway. So yeah, I totally agree. It could just be cut out and you know just move right along. I, I think it's it's important because Kill Bill One came out a year prior to Kill Bill Two, and uh, <coughs> you, I think it got like you know my mom watched. I, I watched Kill Bill One with my mom like for the first time, and she was like, "Oh my god, the kids!" Are, like she was her mind was like ex, her mind like exploded at the end of Volume One because her the kid was still alive. You know, totally. Um, yeah, I think so. Having I, that kind of, it's almost like in TV how you want to end on like a really interesting note, you right? Know, right. To yeah. like get people, you know, it's that same cliffhanger thing. I mean, I get why they did it. I just never felt the impact of him actually saying that. Like, I never had that point where my mind was blown. I don't know. I, yeah. it just never really got me. I don't know. <laughs> did, Maybe because you, you're soulless. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, I'm just a dude. Yeah, I didn't get. I didn't get like the the impact. I mean, I thought it was cool. But when I bought Kill Bill Volume One, I already had Kill. I had Kill Bill Volume Two, so I just popped in the disc, you know, right mm-hmm. after. Um, right. So it wasn't like a big thing. But 
Did you guys notice in Kill Bill Volume 2 during there's that one black and white sequence where like her earring and her eyes are like colored in? Yeah. Yeah, like, outside of the church. Yeah, that kind of took me out a little bit. Yeah. Her eyes were colored in in that? It's, I think it's her eyes and her earring, right? Yeah, she has like green eyes and then like blue yeah. earrings or that might be reversed. I yeah. never noticed that. It's like it's like subtle at the same yeah. time like now when I see it, it, t- it like that's the only thing I notice. They they yeah, do that yeah. they do that in the car with the car sword, scene. right? With the sword. With the sword you this, you can see the yellow of the <clears throat> the yellow of the sword but it's black and white, the background's all black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. remember what you're talking about. But I think where where Byron is is talking about, it's like it's not like I feel like with the sword they're like hanging on it, and they're really like the sword's yellow and the background is black. You know, they're like really it's really obvious. But with the her eyes and the earrings, it's like not quite obvious enough. Is I it, didn't notice it. So. Well, it's just weird because it's like it's like you know it's the bride talking to <laughs> Bill out. On the porch, right of the of the church. Yeah, and the and the rest of the, you know, people are in are inside, you know, and they're kind of having their private moment. You know, this is the first time they've seen each other in a while. She's getting married. And he's kind of playing it cool, you know, and like, yeah. oh, you know, can you walk me down the aisle? Blah blah blah. Like, so it's kind of like a touching, like, I guess emotional you know like scene between the two characters so like i can see maybe what there was you know but like for some reason i just it didn't even seem tarantino to me you know what i mean like that he would say i'm going to have her eyes and her earrings you know like it didn't even seem tarantino to me but that's just i don't know that's just me yeah I, i think you could like i think you could write a whole like English paper on just that and like what it means or, or what yeah. it could mean, but I <laughs> it wouldn't be interesting to me, <laughs> you, yeah, know? you know. But it's like, funny it feels like, like just it doesn't, you know, because yeah, like you know, Kill Bill, like the movies are like they're so full of references to other films. There's so many. There's like a, such a rich history of all sorts of genres, like we've already said, you know, in these movies. But with that one, like I. I don't know besides Schindler's list of any movies that would be that that would be a reference to or it just didn't seem like it really fit really for the rest of the movie. Right. If it was well, just black and white, then it, I would it would have been fine. You know what I mean? Like there would right. it didn't draw attention to itself. Um, what scene did Tarantino shoot in in Sin City? I can't remember. He did the scene with um, uh, Benicio del Toro uh, in the car. With Clive Owen, I believe. Oh, when he's running him over. Um. Oh wait. Oh, when he's talking. Oh, when he's got his when he got his neck cut. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like he wakes up and talks. No, no. Yeah, yeah. it's the thing in his head. It it is in his head. Yeah. And yeah, it's that scene. So in that scene, there's yellow blood, right, or whatever. Like there's there is color. Yeah. So I wonder if he was just rolling off of or no, that was after. Cause it was yeah it was after yeah. I think it was after huh yeah it's Never interesting mind. I don't know but it's I never yeah. noticed it so I'm not exactly sure I don't know really how to place that maybe he was yeah. kind of just dinking around with new technology because yeah mean, no, it's that true. does happen with the yellow yeah. sword it it happens in the there's a car scene where that happens yeah um well that's true the car yeah. scene well okay well I should maybe retract my 
thing. I, I just, I just, it was something that when I first Wait, saw it, I just kind of. Which one are we talking about? There's the scene at Volume Two, right? Yeah, Where Volume she's, Two. She's driving. It's all black and white, but there's a not, few things in color. Yeah, like it's her car almost is monochromatic. <clears throat> almost. Is, are her eyes green when she's talking to the camera? What um, scene are you talking about? The, the intro beginning, scene? yeah, the very beginning. I don't think so. I, don't I think, think they're so. black and white. I think yeah. it. I think it's full black and white. Huh. Yeah, I'd have to I go back know. and look now. Now I'm kind of curious. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I didn't notice that, so I don't know exactly how or why or what. You know what I mean? Uh, art. Yeah, art. So there's pretty distinct difference between the two movies as well. Yes. I think obviously the first one is action like he he <laughs> Tarantino <clears throat> conceived of these movies as an action as action movies for sure that's what he thought about the whole time so the first one clearly is way more action packed uh the second one has action but it's it's just different you know it's not so all out like against the crazy 88 <clears throat> and i think that alone is kind of I don't know. I think a lot of, there's a lot of people who are like, well, the first one's way better because of that reason and stuff like that. Um, and I wanted to ask, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, it's number two is a bit slower. Like, why the why the change? Um, and Tarantino kind of gave an answer to that a little bit. And he said that number one is the questions. Number two is the answers. And I think that really, like, you kind of got to slow down a little bit when you're trying to answer the things that you brought up before. Right. Um, and also, you know, she's going up the ladder more. So, like, you want those moments where it's, like, just her and L Driver in the trailer fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think uh, that the, this whole movie, which is four hours long, split into two movies, you really see the f- way movies are made in a – or, like, how stories are crafted in a different way because – when you say you go watch a romantic comedy, right? You're expecting some romance. You expect them to meet. You expect them to fall in love. Okay, that's the movie. But you go to an action movie, you're expecting explosions and um, big set pieces. But in every movie, every kind of, or a lot of movies, not every movie, there always like is a shift to where it becomes about the relationships and mm-hmm. and whether that's about the <clears throat> like a love relationship or a friendship or anything like that like all movies kind of take that turn you know star wars um has huge set pieces but it ends with them like celebrating and getting a, a medal you know and it's about harrison ford you know kind of giving up his scoundrelly things to like go help the rep- rebellion. Um, all movies are kind of like that, and I feel like Kill Bill, if it was two hours, it would still feel like an action movie, but the fact that it's separated out, like you have the first part, which is all that action that you that you want, and then the second part is the characters that you fell in love with because of the action. Um, so you get what I'm saying? saying? So like yeah. volume two is like all the wrap up of the relationships that that you now care about because of all this action that you saw prior but if it was a regular movie that then it would be you know it would kind of would that would all be in two hours like the but the second hour would be the wrap up of the relationships right and i i kind of think it's kind of like a kung fu movie thing to 
do because like if i remember correctly from like bruce lee's big boss like a lot of the the group fights are at the beginning and then it eventually funnels its way up to that that you know that inevitable meeting right like for in this case it's her and bill so everything Mm -hmm. kind of gets more and more like personal as you go up the chain so it kind of makes sense why it's constructed like that now i wonder what that would be like to see in a four-hour chunk knowing that like or even if you didn't know necessarily that like you know after the intermission when you come back in that that like your second half is going to be so different you know what i mean yeah um I don't know. I really, I'd be really curious to see yeah. how that actually feels. I meant to watch these back to back for that reason, but I didn't have enough time I, to do that. I, I did. I watched them both today. Yeah, in one yeah. sitting. Nice. One sitting. Nice. Yeah. So how was that? I mean, did it give a different vibe to it? Like, yeah. I mean, there. Well, the first thing I noticed is the title design is different for right. the movies. So that Immediately. was. It was like whoa, like. This is like way like the font even like the font is different like in the intro credits and the the honestly the scene where Uma Thurman is talking to the camera really like bothered me watching it back to back um not because it was like catching up on things I already knew but more because it felt it didn't feel like it was the right style um and I I think if you were watching kill bill volume two like a year later i think it'd be fine because it's like it's meant to be a different style so you you know so you could easily like take it out or so so it kind of gets you into the movie sort of a thing but watching back to back it like really like bugged the hell out of me to have that scene in there Um, it's funny because like i i for this um podcast i didn't watch them back to back but i've watched them back to back um a couple times because when I showed them to my brothers the first time, mm-hmm. I, I showed them, like, you know, back-to-back. Back, you know, I think we started, like, in the morning and, mm-hmm. you know, ended in the afternoon. But, um, like, I – yeah, like, I I like it when I watch it back-to-back. Back, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think yeah. I prefer watching – if I'm going to watch them, I'd like to watch them together instead right. of watching it one day and then watching it the next day. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but I don't know. There's something about the second um, – you know, volume two, where the pacing is so different, uh, which I actually maybe like more. I think I might like the pacing of volume two more. I don't know. It's it seems more it's languid more or room. yeah. There's if more, you're familiar yeah. with westerns, you'll be familiar with how it's paced because yeah. it is. He yeah. literally says it's the it's the spaghetti western portion yeah. of the movie. I think that's why I like it because I I mean westerns are kind of like my it's a kind of my go to genre as like kind of my most nostalgic the one that i grew up with you know yeah. like i like westerns is kind of like i don't know the one that i've just I've, i think out of any genre i've probably seen more westerns you know mm-hmm. than any mm-hmm. other genre but uh so maybe that's why i like it i think i like volume two better I, I don't know but um but i love how yeah if you were to watch them together I love how the first one kind of flies by you know it really does. and, it, and yeah. it, there's all the questions right and normally I like movies that just ask questions and, and there aren't any answers. But but I like how for this, you know, for these two films, that like it, how the, the second one takes its time to answer the questions. It's, it really not, does, yeah. it, it's not the same pace as the first one. Because if it was, 
it'd be like there'd be too much going on i think there'd be it'd feel too rushed you yeah know? right so i don't know i i thought it was cool yeah I, I i i agree with you there and i think that them taking the time really like i mean the bride is like one of the like so many people are say that she's one of the most interesting characters in cinema history you know she's like on plenty of you know lists which lists are the best because they mean everything um (laughs) uh so you know she's like up there like a lot of people are like the bride's the best and i think part of that is because of the these two really differently paced movies i mean the first one like gets you interested to ask all these questions it's it's really fast and it's um you know it's a just kind of a breeze but then the second one you like really get to know her a lot more <clears throat> and yeah you really yeah. like and not not just her but also the um supporting cast like the the supporting characters knowing them helps like teaches you who the bride is you right. know like learning about the hit like how the uh the eye patch lady and and uh, but what was it? Bud? Buck. Yeah, Bud. Bud. Yeah, just how they talk to each other, and how Bill talks to Bud. Teach it all teaches you about who the bride is, and right. that's something this movie does really well because it like it teaches you about their world because this is the world that she left. Um, and really, Volume Two is where you learn that she the reason she left is because of the baby, right. which was a huge question like throughout the whole thing and then at the very end of volume two you learn that it's because she got pregnant and her motherly thing yeah it's it's cool because like after volume two then if you watch volume one again then you get to you you know you see like oh that's why she did this or oh she's acting like this because of that you know what i mean like or or she's actually she's really fake right now you know like Mm -hmm. that's really not who she is she's uh, she's playing a role you know which is kind of cool um like where she plays the kind of like innocent like kind of uh kind of character when she meets um hanzo for the first time you know like she's like you know arigatou and you know like yeah you know she's and she's playing kind of like the dumb american you know in a way um yeah yeah. she's really like so not like that you know (laughs) yeah that that that's a cool scene because she like you know she knows the language and she's she talks to him in japanese or (laughs) whatever at the end which was pretty awesome she knows that the one guy is just completely dissing her. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> she just deals. Yeah, this kind of like there's that scene in Game of Thrones where they do a similar thing with Khaleesi when she's like buying the, the oh. slaves or whatever. <laughs> right. And, but it's like hella. It's like hella drawn out. It's like the whole episode that's they're talking, and then at the end she's like, "Oh, actually, know your language," and then she murders him. <laughs> yeah, <that's awesome. laughs> a little bit different uh, ending there for sure. Can we just take a minute and just, like, say Sonny Shiba is awesome in this movie. Yeah, He's yeah. kind of, like, a little overshadowed by the rest of the cats, right? But, like, that sequence in particular is epic. You know, you don't see him do anything, but his character just holds this crazy, like... And I guess Hattori Hanzo is actually a, a character that... <clears throat> so is based off of a, a Japanese television series called Shadow Warriors... I wrote the Japanese name, oh, Kage no Gundan. And I guess Tarantino was, like, super obsessed with this TV show. And Hattori Hanzo was this character where, like, 
So I guess I guess what it's like is like in Japan, he's saying when they release a series, they release say like for a year, right? And if the series is bad, then they don't make a new one. But if the series is good, they take like a year off and then they release like another year, lo- another year long season, take a year off season, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess what they would do is they would just have different iterations of, like, Hattori Hanzo. So this is, like, his continued iteration of the same character. So it's like if you had, like, parallel universes or something, it would be, like, that same guy just played by different people. That's you know cool. I mean? It's kind of yeah. like Django, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, because there's, like, yep. all these different iterations of the character Django. You right, know? You exactly. The, the, the African-American one now with... You know, Django and Jane. Yep. You Japanese. have, you know, the Japanese one, Sukiyaki Western Django. You yep. have, uh, which Tarantino's in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you have, like, um, you know, uh, all the different, um, Django's that were mm-hmm. made in Italy, you know. Um, it's like James Bond. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, so it's just cool, um, how he layers all those, all those totally. characters. And, and it's Sonny Chiba. I mean, like, even if you're not familiar with his filmography before these movies, he still has this air of like importance absolutely you know that's just like like you feel his movie baggage even though you, if you yeah. don't necessarily know what that is you know yeah it's just yeah. it's just so cool how he how he has that 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 air like the casting which um you know i know tarantino of course did it but you know credited is johanna johanna ray i think and she she Every time I see her name pop up in casting in movies and stuff, like last night I watched uh, Lost Highway for the like you know twentieth billionth time by uh, David Lynch, and you know it's a casting by Johanna Ray, and I'm like, oh, of course, like no wonder the cast in that movie so good, like, so good. Huh? So I don't know, but yeah, casting directors talk about like an unsung hero. Like, yeah, yeah. it takes an incredible amount of knowledge about psychology about people about past movies Mm -hmm. like this insane like you have to be able to know someone so well and know a script so well to be able to fit those two pieces together and they get i mean they get credit in the movie obviously but they almost get no credit for what they do yeah it's cool about tarantino no one really knows they exist exactly yeah you know like it's it's like, no, what do you want to do in your life? Oh, I want to be a casting director. Like, you don't hear that. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like people who want to do that, like, they really want to do it. And most of them, I'm pretty sure most of them are, are gay, right? Are most casting directors either <laughs> women or gay? I mean, that's a stereotype, but I'm pretty I sure. Have, I have no idea. I have no idea. I've never <laughs> heard <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a thing. I mean, not that you have to be gay or whatever. But I thought most were women. Honestly, yeah, you're either oh that. God. That was that was the thing. Is like women are or or you're gay. I mean, <laughs> you could be a straight guy being a casting director. But I just maybe maybe I heard it on script notes or something. But I think they were talking about like like one of the guys on script notes was like I met a straight casting director and he was like blown away by <laughs> the fact that it was like a straight like he met he he thought the casting director was gay because most of them are. And then he met his casting director's family. <laughs> and he was like, oh. I mean, I guess it would make sense because, you know, John August is well known in the industry and he is gay, so. Well, yeah, you know. it was the other, it was the other. Uh, oh, Craig it was Craig Mason. Mason. Oh, Yeah, no, no. who was, yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, Tarantino, you know, how he kind of is known now to kind of try and, like, resurrect, you know, um, actresses like actors you know careers you know Vivica John Travolta Fox. and Vivica Fox and stuff like that so like you know and Sonny Chiba I mean Sonny Chiba like 
he wasn't really in anything really before yeah, Kill Bill for a point. while, you know. So like, and I think he he's popped up a little bit. I think you know, I would even say uh, David Carradine too. Romance, but that was like way before. Was was wasn't it? That was in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, you that, know. So no, like, that was way before. Yeah, no shit. So it's just funny how like there, you know, he he has all these, you know, like yeah, like David Carradine, you know, or and and before David Carradine. Um, was cast he was thinking about warren Beatty, you know and at that time warren Beatty wasn't really in a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you know and so like it's kind of interesting that to, to see that tarantino definitely has an idea he definitely has a, a um uh a goal and he's very particular with who's going to be in his movies of course but it's kind of it'd be kind of cool to know a little bit about the relationship between his casting directors and you know himself you know and how how he because i know he he hires a lot of the same character actors, you know, right. and stuff like that. So there's definitely, like, that family-slash-team dynamic. But then there's also people that, you know, uh, he casts that aren't in any of his other movies, you know? So it's, yeah. it's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, he gets new ones out. Yeah, I feel I like, think... uh, especially with his later movies, like, I, he's obviously, like, an incredibly, incredibly powerful director. But I, I smell studio influence in like movies like Django um not 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 really in Hateful Eight but I thought I I I my gut says studio was involved with with Django casting really um, like like what character well I mean just the just the big hitters like uh like Leo and and Jamie Foxx you know I I thought that's just how it felt to me I'm totally speculating I the, I have no proof. Well, Jamie Foxx is it's just Jamie Foxx's character Django is actually supposed to be Will Smith. Yeah, initially. Will Smith. Yeah, I think that was the initial. So you know, it's oh, one of those things where so. that fell through, and then it fell through. I guess Will Smith didn't think that like revenge was the answer. I could see that. He seems yeah. like a guy oh. that's like yeah. that so wants I, his movies to kind of end on yeah. like a, a a better note. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, like he uh, said, he said it like that yeah. zombie movie where he has to kill his dog at the end. Oh yeah, <laughs> I that am was legend. A, I'm legend. Yes, spoilers by the way. We yeah, spoiled like, it before you learned the titles. I guess I, you know he's like I want to work with Tarantino, but I can't. I can't. I can't be in a movie where like where that's like condoned or whatever. I can right. see that all his movies kind of do end. They either end in sacrifice or in some pretty bow. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I, I, Will Smith would not have worked at all. He would not have been able to carry the air no, of like, I yeah. don't give a fuck about you. No, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I, I didn't think Jamie Foxx would have been that good as, as a, I know, a yeah, casting he was choice. Than but I thought. Yeah, 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 it's a surprise for sure. And then, yeah, I wonder how Leo ended up in it for sure. Yeah, because I think they've been talk in talks of doing stuff together for a while. But you know, it's like Adam Sandler was originally um, Brad Pitt's character in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, Which actually would have been really cool. Whoa. Trip, yeah, that actually, I think it would have been really good. Um, but I want to say Adam Sandler was on board, but then at the last minute he had to bail for doing another movie, which, of course, was not nearly as good as Well, hang on. Inglorious Bastards. Was it Grown Ups 1 or Grown Ups 2? <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I want to say it was Funny People I was or something funny, like that. Because oh, he probably actually, got paid I, more. Yeah, yeah, because he got paid more, I think. He gets yeah. paid a stupid amount of money just to show up in movies. I, I really, I like funny people a lot. Actually. I haven't seen it, but it's yeah. Pretty, it's I saw good. it a while pretty ago, good. but I, I don't yeah, remember too much about it. The whole casting thing is interesting. And Kill Bill, I think, too, is the first movie. Because, I mean, like, of course, his casting in Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, he, he, he has, it, the, the ensemble is, is quite impressive. But then when, yeah. you, when you see Kill Bill and it's international, you know, it's like an internationally 
um, diverse cast. And then, you know, he, he ups it again with Inglourious Bastards, you know, with all the German actors. He's got American yeah. actors. He's, you know, yeah. he's got such a variety. He's got French actors, you know. Um, it, it's just so cool. And, like, it, it seems Kill Bill was kind of the one where it really started his whole, his, when he became really, really cinematic, you know? I mean, like, you know, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, they're cinematic in their own way, but Kill Bill kind of makes his makes his movies become more like you can feel it, like yeah. epic or yep. something. Like yeah. the scope right. of it is so much larger. Um, they're going to like a ton of different cities. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not just one room, you know, or it's not just one city. Like they're flying it, around. It feels yeah. cleaner. Yeah, yeah, it's I think cleaner. too. Yeah. And you know, again, a huge part of that is Robert Richardson for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the music too. The music know? changes, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there's like, a ton of music in this. Because like the music in like Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown um, in Reservoir Dogs is primarily pop music, right? Yeah. But when you get into it's Kill like Bill, surf. it's like surf yeah, a music. lot of surf, a lot yeah. of um, '70s soul, you know, stuff like that. But then when you get to Kill Bill, you have you you start getting into more you know avant garde and your more Coney spaghetti western and giallo scores. Um, yeah. You got you get these different sounds. You got you got Bernard Herrmann's famous. Um, twisted nerve whistling score mm-hmm, you know yeah. um you have this huge variety you got the rizza you know with his some beats and stuff and his cool um um sounds that he makes with the swords and stuff that he like mm-hmm. m- mixes in with the music which is just incredible and then you have robert Rodriguez's like band that yeah. he, you know his like his uh mexican rock kind of uh feel to it and it, it's like it, it just adds so much more of a scope to his movies. And then yeah. you start seeing that in Inglourious Bastards and Django where, but yeah, I mean, Django has a rap song in it with Rick, you know, Rick Ross in it, but I mean, he's got the, the, the Ennio Morricone um, score. And then he has the actual, his first Ennio Morricone original song in Django, which, you know, because of Kill Bill, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it adds yeah. to, I don't know. It's cool that Kill Bill kind of. like production design too is like, more you know there's like a it's like a larger like because pulp fiction was relatively small for a production like and it it feels not not cheaper i i I mean i guess it it does kind of feel cheap in a way like how they're setting up um or inexpensive not cheap like as in bad but it just it they you know their their sets are like restaurants and apartments and the street you know but yeah, here all it's locations like, yeah yeah but here it's like they're in like a random japanese thing and there's snow everywhere and it's snowing you know what i mean like right, right. it's just like more like, like just like a larger production you know right like even like pulp fiction has an ensemble of a cast right and in and it's you know i've heard it called an epic i think he even said you know it's kind of epic <laughs> but it feels an epic in the sense of like scale, yeah. right, or whatever. Yeah. I, I have a thing to say after, after um, you're done about but Tarantino. Uh, it still feels small, like the world feels small. Right, right. Yes. They're all so yes. interconnected and condensed. Whereas, and like Jackie Brown, even is like it only takes place in like a couple of locations, right? And then this movie is like you can feel the grandeur. You can feel like the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. Kind of alludes to this like clean, high quality, high production. Like you said, the cinema, cinematic quality yeah. uh, is increased, and there's just something that it you know I, 
for lack of a better term, basically you kind of feel him almost maturing a little bit. Like yeah. he's kind of blossoming a little bit coming out of the nineties and stuff like that, because yeah. this was six years between this and Jackie Brown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was like a lot of time to sit and think and like, and conceive what this movie was going to look like. And like, you know, like you the scene, feel the money a little bit. Yeah, you know, for sure. Like, yeah. you know, cause like that whole scene when like the, when she's flying in the, the plane, you know, lands and that the whole city there, yeah. how it's like fake, yeah. but it looks pretty good. But like that whole set was actually like leftovers from the latest Godzilla film that they filmed in Japan <laughs> Interesting. that they just like kind of rearranged and like, oh, made it. so like, that's pretty cool when you have like little things like that, where it's just quick, like, um, it just makes the production like so much bigger. And then also, you know, like the close, like when, like the, the gun, uh, it's in the first film, I think is shot and it's like that super macro like you're inside the gun yeah, oh, yeah and yeah. it like Bullet which is comes cool out. Yeah. yeah like that stuff combined with like all the rest of what's seen and shot like it just makes the movie so much bigger and you get mm. some of that later in his films you know and in Glorious right. Bastards you have the the match slowly yep. you know just the big macro stuff combined with the regular shot stuff right. and it's just it, like everything he just went full out, you know? He just went, like, every little idea, he's like, well, let's fucking film that, you know? And, right, and yeah. Then the, you know, him and Sally just, you know, editing that shit up is just incredible. <laughs> so good, man. So good. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. I, there's I, even, like, in The the Bride says to Bill, like, how did you find me? You know? like it, And she's just in this tiny, cinematic-looking church, you know, that's just, like, in the middle of like texas where there's nothing else around she says how do you find me which is almost like it 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 like connects you to like oh yeah there's a whole world going on sort of sort of a thing so like i mean that's like that's a really small thing but like it's just like the little things like that that make it feel kind of so grand you know yeah definitely and, and epic yeah because he didn't have any crane shots like that, you know, where the the crane starts inside the the church and then it comes out and then you're you see the whole landscape with you yes, know, yeah, that like, is yeah. There was no shots like that in like Pulp Fiction, you know, you know. Yeah. There's a, a yeah. few in Jackie Brown, you know, like the scene that we we're talking about earlier with the glove, you know, and the it, it goes up and then you see the the car, you know, Samuel Jackson drives the car, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you know, like like that but it's at night you know so you don't see a huge you know it's not like you see the la skyline or whatever you know but i don't know it's just funny you're right and there's even in kill bill there's or in volume one there's like that really long steady cam shot when uma thurman goes to the bathroom (laughs) beautiful shot yeah yeah (laughs) and they're like it like tracks her to the bathroom and then it tracks the charlie brown guy uh, (laughs) out and then it tracks back in i think sophie uh, right, Sophie's character, who she chops her arm off. But yeah, that's like a whole. That's like a long, like minute and a half, like going on. So. I heard the guy who was the Steadicam operator for that shot. Like, I guess Tarantino just like, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again. And I guess he like, at one point, just like collapsed and just like sat down and was just like <laughs> totally pooped out. Like, like I can't. I'm yeah. sure that's a gnarly <laughs> shot to do. I mean, yeah. you have to be lifted on this device to get you up and over. Yeah. Brought back down and then you got to walk. What is it? Does he go back? He gets back on it, right? Because he walks down the hallway and he kind of follows them, but then it kind of gets back to that crane style yeah, like, just... to go up to meet 
Sophie Fatal, and then it comes back down, and he follows her into the bathroom. Like it's incredible. Yeah, super crazy, cool. crazy shot. Uh, and that's also the first time we see his overhead shot that he does for like the rest of every movie. The taxi driver him. homage. Yeah, the ta- yeah. yeah, taxi. <laughs> driver, yeah. Yep. Whenever I see that, I think taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. like Gasper knows. Uh, Enter the Void, where like right, oh right. the end of it is just Taxi Driver, just like <laughs> <laughs> it's like forty minute shot of like buildings. Yeah, oh, so, cool. so cool, so ambitious, so good. Yes, so it good. is. I want to talk about that one eventually here, like an experimental. When we talk about experimental films, what? Yeah. Oh like, yeah, so oh, yeah. good. Yes, um, yeah, I totally love that shot that he does the long take, and it's like basically like the only long take. That he does, I think, in that movie. Yeah, I think. Let's see. There's, there's one other one, right? Um, and I think it's in, it's in the church. I think, right? Well, I mean, you could call but that one where it cranes back yeah. out. Yeah, kind of a long where take. you see the the four there, assassins. There might, yeah. there might be some other one. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the famous one. I think of the of the two films for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. So just real quick, talk about kind of because I was interested in like why did he go to this movie after Jackie Brown? Um, so I guess uh, this is all according to him. Uh, this I- the idea for Kill Bill was actually conceived while they were shooting Pulp Fiction. I guess he kind of was talking to Uma Thurman. He was kind of like you know check out this idea I got. He basically laid out the groundwork of in like. Bed. <laughs> probably. Whoa. <laughs> probably. Did she have shoes on or no? No. No. <laughs> I mean, do we even have to answer that? That's just like implied. Yeah. Licking some feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Wiggle your big toe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So she was saying that to him, not meaning toe, though. Like, so, no. <laughs> or was she meaning toe? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, she's on the podcast again. Hey. Oh, hi, Tiff. You? <laughs> hey. Tiff says hi. <laughs> now she's embarrassed. Um, so yeah, I guess it was conceived <laughs> while they were shooting Pulp Fiction. Uh, he kind of like was like, "Hey, check out this idea I got." He basically laid out, you know, there's this you know strong female assassin who gets screwed over by people and wants to take revenge. I guess between takes, they kind of started uh, of shooting Pulp Fiction. They kind of started getting obsessed with this idea, and you know, he's jotting down notes, all all his pages of notes about this character. Um, so Uma Thurman actually had a ton of input into this movie and the character and she was actually the one who came up with the very first shot in volume one so she was like you know I, I, what if we just had this shot where it's like th- this this individual is clearly like beaten and battered and broken and she's wearing like this wedding dress and they, he's like that's just kind of how the bride was born <laughs> um, sweet and I guess her pregnancy was actually her... I think that was her actually pregnant because she got pregnant right before they wanted to start making the movie. Um, something like that. It's, I don't know. I didn't hear... It's kind of cool, too, because, like, while... It, you know, because it was during Pulp Fiction that they were talking. Yeah. And then in Pulp Fiction, Uma Thurman's character says to John Travolta that she was part... She shot, like, that TV pilot. 
the Fox Force Five. Fox yeah. Force Five. Yeah. yeah, and like how it's like the characters are so similar to you know the Deadly Viper assassination squad. Well, yeah. and then he said, and then her list is Death List Five. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So it's Whoa. like, yeah. So there's like a there's a whole thing where you know fans are saying that huge conspiracy behind like, that. Yeah, like that that it's. It is that you know. I don't know. It's, it's the movie. The like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Kill Bill is supposed to be the movie inside of the Tarantino universe. I'm pretty sure is how. Yeah. It is. So what is the conspiracy, conspiracy theory? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because because like there's the red apple cigarettes. There's everything. But then there's also American Eagle cigarettes, which are normal. They're, yeah. they're it's a real brand. You know stuff right. like that. So there's like this big thing. We're like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think by the very end of this, probably when we hit like Django and Hateful Eight, you know kind of wrap all of the conspiracies into one and kind of talk about why people think because he said that they're all supposed to take place in the same universe but obviously it's very light and and the connections are tenuous sometimes obviously yeah Um, and he could just be saying that to like shut fans up because all right (laughs) i mean if i was tarantino i'd just be like guys like fuck like i love that you like my movies but can you just fucking calm down? Really? Me? I think I have, it's because just to add second. to his own mythos. I have, I have a feeling that he's doing because he like, yeah, it's his own mythos because he yeah. likes that in Stroke films. his ego, yeah. Because like the Hotori Hanzo thing and yeah, all that. Like, exactly. He loves that sort of thing. So he's like, you know what? I want to have Lieutenant Aldo Reigns. You know, he's related to, I forget now, but because his, his character is actually related to a character that's in Django. Um I forget. Well, well, that's right. I, I, there, there's there's a, there's a definite right. connection. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just interesting how all that, you know that is. Yeah, that is interesting. I've never thought of that. So basically, they came up with this idea for Kill Bill. Pulp Fiction wrapped. They ended up going their separate ways, for the most part. Tarantino went on to do Jackie Brown. Uh, Uma Thurman went on to do Playboy. Did she do Playboy? Yeah, she actually did, but I don't know if it was before or after Pulp oh. Fiction. I don't remember. <laughs> Playboy. <There you> <laughs> a movie called Playboy or Playboy, <laughs> Playboy, Playboy? <laughs> yeah, no, she, I think she she did a – I don't know if it was a full spread, but I know she was on the cover. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. So she went on to do the things that she did, including Playboy. Um, <laughs> 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 maybe maybe the, the, the inside no, cover no. was just a foot. <laughs> It was the bottom <laughs> of her foot. <laughs> Shot by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, man. The that actually wouldn't surprise me. Tarantino. It's just oh, Uma Thurman's foot. No, but she, in the interview, it's funny because she's the one talking about this. It's her being interviewed, and she's like, yeah, he went on to Jackie Brown, and I went on to do whatever I did. She's like, she literally is like not even specific about what she did during that wow. time. So wow. I'm not being a jerk here saying I don't know what yeah. she did. That's literally her own words. Um, so, but anyway, they separated for about seven years. or uh, It wasn't seven years. It was like, you know, three or four. Uh, he made Jackie Brown. They bumped into each other. Uh, however, people bump into each other and basically reignited their passion for this movie he said he went to his drawer pulled out all the pages he had that he had written down years ago and was like holy crap we really have something here so he started developing Kill Bill and that's how we have uh, Kill Bill and actually before so what what was uh, so he had this idea with Uma Thurman Jackie Brown came along and I guess somewhere in between all of that before Jackie Brown, during Pulp Fiction, after Jackie Brown, whatever, he was writing his war epic, 
which presumably I, you know is is in glory what came, became Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Uh, so he actually had this idea for a war epic back in the early you know late nineties early two thousands. He shelved that project to focus solely on Kill Bill, and then you know like I said eventually came back to it presumably. Uh, it's interesting for Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, so. That's how it came about, and that's why at the end of Volume 2, you say based on a character by Q and U, because it was, she had so much input into who this character was that, like, you know, right. they had to, he wanted to share the credit with her and right. stuff like Quentin that. Right, so. Quentin and Uma. Yep, exactly. exactly. Do, do, you, do you guys think that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, had an influence as to whether or not this movie got made? Like, do you guys think that because of the have you guys seen Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah but I don't yeah. remember when it came out. Came out it like 2000, came out before. right? Yeah, yeah, 2000. 2000, I think. Um and it had like like no one's heard of any of these people. You know, like uh, the No, actors that's not true. It. The main uh Well, I mean American Chow Yun Fat or whatever is the is the main guy in that, right? Is that and is, is it Michelle Yeoh? I know. Uh, yeah, it's been were, a while since I've seen that. They were decently though. big. I mean, he was in like Hard Boiled or whatever, like before that, right? He was in some John Woo. He was in quite like, a few movies. John Woo yeah, he oh, was, was he? not some like. But but, low... but John Woo was still at that time, I don't think was super big. Even he in the was States. mainly in the yeah. yeah, not in the states. Yeah. Oh yeah, two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but but I guess I guess what I'm saying here is like their ability to like have like a multi um ethnic cat like to actually cast chinese people to actually cast japanese people um is it fair to say that crouching tiger hidden dragon helped that actually like come to be for for kill bill i mean it could be i would say well okay so this is just according to wikipedia um it had a budget of approximately seventeen million and made approximately two hundred thirteen million. So yeah, it made an ass load. Yeah, of Yeah, I would have imagined that there was like someone, the wine scenes, or some producer was like, "Let's ride this wave of like the martial arts movies." Well, because did was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was that Weinstein? Because I thought it no, was. No, no, no. I'm just saying like there were other producers. Right, 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 right. No, I know. No, it, it, it wasn't the Weinstein. Oh, it wasn't the Weinstein. No, no, no. It wasn't. I'm just saying in general there were producers out there that were like. Oh, this yeah, movie no, made sure. a bunch of money. Let's yeah. ride the coattails. Yeah. Tarantino's got something anyway, so yeah. let's just get Tarantino's thing made. And I think right. by that point, Tarantino, it was like everyone was just like, okay, when's the next one, man? Like right. this is, yeah. you know, six yeah. years right. in between, right? So, like, they're just like, right. let's get your – we know this is going to make money. Yeah. Let's get your stuff made. And they're like, do whatever. I think it really coincidental – I think I'm sure he saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He saw all those. He was obsessed with martial arts movies and stuff like that. So I'm sure he saw it. Right. I'm sure that influenced him. I'm sure that like yeah, and he he helped Hero, the Jet Li film. Years oh, later. he helped. He just helped get it to the states. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, then Iron Fist. He he oh, was uh, oh, yeah, he was yeah. produced that movie. Yeah, it's just yeah, Tarantino it presents that movie. So like, um, is it Iron Monkey or Iron Fist? Whatever. Yeah. Iron Iron. It might be Iron, Iron Monkey. Iron Fist. Iron Fist, yeah. Okay, either way. Something, it like, is, something like that. Yeah, so, like, you're probably on to something. I mean, it's just, like, how, like, superhero movies nowadays and franchises, like, everyone has to make a f- franchise, you know. Yeah. Like, let's reboot everything that we've already done yeah, and try to sure. franchise it. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the monster <laughs> movies that 
whoever's doing those. I've even heard Hellboy is in talks now to be rebooted. Oh, so, wow. um, <laughs> so you know, it movies are made based off of trends. You know, they think sure. oh, audiences seem to like that, so let's make the next one. That type of thing. Yeah, and I don't mean to like. I'm not trying to like cheapen Tarantino's vision because obviously he's like really powerful and really intentional. Um, it just it feels like when he goes to the studio and says like, "Hey, I want to cast like these actors here um, who are maybe lesser known, you know, no, they're not like big hitters, you know, or anything like that." Um, it might help the conversation since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out. And everyone wanted to, like, make that movie, you know, or wish they had made that movie because it made a bajillion dollars. So, you know. Right. I don't know. Right, right. Money. Uh, Money talks, man. Money. That's it. I mean, films is a business. So at the end of the day, you got to be making money. Otherwise, you're useless. It's it's really that (laughs) cut and dry. But it's kind of cool because, like, Tarantino, his name is so big that he could do whatever the fuck he wants, really. Yeah, totally. You know, like, which is awesome you know and it's cool that he had you know six years of nothing before this movie to you know because like i mean he wasn't doing nothing right 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 direct a movie he was like masturbating (laughs) 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 but um but yeah like i mean like it's just cool that he can go six years and and that that build up just make that just helps them because there's some directors that if they don't make something in six years they're you know, even Hollywood's going to be like, "Yeah, your last film was a, it was a hit, but I'm sorry, your time is already yeah. is gone." Sorry, when buddy. you're hot, you're hot, and yeah. you you got to exploit it; otherwise, yeah. you will be forgotten. Especially for for directors, like you know, it's tough for actors and stuff. Um, but you know, like as we all know, with Robert Downey Jr. and Travolta, and you know these other people that they you know they, you can get back on track, but. You know, sometimes, but with directors, it's 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 yeah. way harder. You know, and, and writers, writers yeah. too, like both of yeah. those. Yeah, there's a few. You know, there's a few like um, Shane Black. You know, he was able to kind of get out from he he was in a rut for a while. You know, and now he's kind of back. Yeah. Um, so it's back it's in black. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I've only seen him wear white. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm back in white. <laughs> but I'm yeah, like black. I don't know. It's 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 kind of cool that he can do that. So I'm kind of curious where he's going to go next. You know? Yeah, me well, too. You After know, his late. filmography is is the of the utmost importance to yeah. him. So yeah, well, he only, he only has two or three more, right? Two more. <laughs> Left, Two more, supposedly. I think, supposedly. supposedly. I think Kill Bill is counted as one. Yeah, he counts Kill Bill as one. Or or he doesn't count Jackie Brown. <laughs> I think his least favorite film is Death Proof, actually. He himself. Yeah. He's like, it's not bad, but it's not my best. You know right. what I mean? Uh, like that's that type funny. Of well, what's really funny about Kill Bill is there's he's been he's talked about a sequel on a number of occasions. Like at, at some point he was like, Oh, there's gonna be Volume three, which will be like, um, it'll it'll be the little girl that you like, the little black girl that you meet, and she's gonna go find Uma Thurman and like, you know, because Uma Thurman like the bride needs to have her comeuppance, you know. And then there was a supposedly there was a leak script for stories. that actually. Really? Supposedly, that's I think I had a hold friend. of it at one point, and I was reading part of it, but it's like. How do you really know? Like yeah, he hand yeah. writes his stuff, so like, why would there be a leaked copy of Kill Bill Volume right, Three? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I don't. But know But he's that. he's talked about it a lot, and 
apparently he he was like kill bill volume three is going to be my ninth film he said that like in 2011 so i feel like maybe a couple movies like fell through or or, or something i don't know um but he said that it was going to come out in like 2014 but then it never did um so i want to say he said that it's, it's no longer now that he, yeah, he, I think he. I think he, yeah, he was like, "This is not happening." In the last like two years, like, like he said, "Like yeah, no, it's it's not gonna happen." I can't see yeah. him like. I don't even know what you call that. Like rebooting his own franchise, know, yeah. it just. Yeah. How, however, I did hear that he is wants to kind of do because like in in Inglorious Bastards, there was a whole huge part of the script that he didn't have in the movie, which was about this black regiment, and that he might want to do a film involving them and just have a whole film so that could be that could be cool buffalo soldiers yeah yeah it's like kind of interesting there's also a huge section of that script that i read because i read that whole script actually and uh there's a huge section about the uh backstory of donnie and the bat right yeah 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 it's really interesting because he's in that apartment with the the, yeah that yeah which would be yeah which they filmed some of that because some of that's in the trailer oh is it yeah yeah Yeah, That's there's like just like few little snippets that are different, hmm. which is kind of cool. That's pretty nifty, yeah. So I mean, it's for him, it's hard to tell. Like his thing is like, you know, he went the western route and specifically called his movies westerns because they are, but obviously they're genre mashups, right? So it's like you don't, I don't know what hasn't he done that he'd really want to do. He did his action, he cut his chops on action, he got his crime stuff out of the way right away moved on to do the war epic you know i feel also i was thinking this about this earlier what is it about like bigger directors all having to eventually do a war movie coppola <laughs> tarantino uh yeah. nolan malik like all these directors that have like i got a, a oliver stone you know yeah. like um, spielberg. spielberg yeah like they all eventually do this war movie thing like but see that would be i would love you know like to me that would be a dream right you know to make some epic war film you know yeah oh yeah totally i love need to have a big budget for it yeah it can't be you can't just make a tiny little i guess you could make a tiny little war movie but because like the hateful eight could have worked as a world war ii film behind enemy lines you know like it could have worked as that as well i mean i'm glad it's a western but right you could do something like that, where it's like an Agatha Christie kind of World War II film, but <laughs> um, <laughs> like you know, or an escaped you know Nazi general that they're looking for. Who knows? You know, uh, right. where it's not like a huge epic war movie. But I mean, he like for me personally, I feel like we only got a taste of it. So yeah, yeah I would yeah. be be interested to see him tackle like a full on like you know like what Nolan's kind of doing with Dunkirk or whatever, like that, right. that feeling of epicness. Yeah. Cause, to me, like, this, like yeah, Saving Private Ryan. So oh, yeah, totally, that, yeah. That type, yeah. 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 Well, like, it's funny you mention that, because Kill Bill was, like, his... He was, like, diving into action, right? Like, what... Yeah. He was saying, like, I, I want to dive into, like, like an action... The action genre and, like, have my action film. Yeah, because he said that he considers action directors to be the best directors of them all. So he was, like... It was a test. He said it was a test of the limits of his own talent and to see what he could actually do. You know, he set out, you know, his, again, his words were like with that fight scene at the House of Blue Leaves, he set out to make the best fight scene, you know, that he could yeah. make, which is a totally terrifying so, thing to say. But this is, this is what I wanted to say earlier. 
and it's it's that whenever I see Tarantino's like things or like things that he says or like an interview like if you just read the transcripts it's almost like something that Donald Trump would say you know <laughs> like I'm gonna make the most epic biggest like drive sequence ever you know and that, then he made death proof and it was like the coolest drive sequence ever but like when he talks about it he's like I'm just I'm gonna make like the best action sequence like ever made and ever put to film you know and just to me that just sounds like if Donald Trump was a filmmaker he'd be like <laughs> this is like gonna be the greatest action movie with kung fu and um there'll be a wall you know like it just you know I don't it's, know it's it's interesting you say that because like yeah, you're right. If you do read his transcripts, they come off super douchey. And, like, there's no <laughs> doubt that this guy's arrogant, right? Like, about his own work and oh, his yeah. own knowledge. But He's when he totally talks about it, yeah. when he talks about it, you do not get that vibe. Like, he just says it so, like, I don't want to say humbly or, like, nonchalant or whatever. He's just like, yeah, I just was wanted to make an action movie, and I was just going to test my own talents, you know? Like, it was just... right another day at the office or something like it wasn't like anything special you know so, right like, right it's a weird like dissonance with him well, funny, i think maybe it's like the sound bites people pull because it's maybe. always like right. the yeah what are you saying Byron? oh it's just kind of cool because like um the, the the difference is too is that he that you look at that sequence and you you can't you can't you may not agree that it's the best action scene ever done, but it's up there. You know what I mean? Like, mm, like yeah. people. No, it's like, amazing. Like that's the thing is like you can't sit. Like people can't say, like, oh, what a fucking douchebag. Like he thinks he's the greatest, <laughs> but he's not. But right. But like he definitely is. Like he's all of the shit that he's tried. You know, it's like there's no no matter who you are, you have you look at it and you're like, well, fuck, he does have talent. You know, like... Well, when all the actors that he casts are all just gushing over him, like, Right, right. Right. There's something to it, right? You know? yeah. yeah. No one's no one's gushing over... Well, I guess some people are gushing over Donald Trump. But, but we like to pretend <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> they just stay in their little corner. Uh, uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Like you on the podcast, I'm um, the uh, yeah, I'm the I'm the political talkie. Go stand in your corner, sir. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess we could sh- shift into like slight reviews on it because um, I think, comparatively speaking to the other things we've watched so far, I don't know. Like I was watching this and I was thinking like. I was so floored and blown away by this movie watching it this time around that mm-hmm. as a combo, these might actually be like, if you think of them as one film, this might actually be my favorite Tarantino film out of all of them. And I, we're, we, we're going to talk about more so that could change, right? As I rewatch it. But so far, like, I don't know, man, this is like, this is it. Like, this is, this is my favorite one from him. And I think Vivica A. Fox there's this little soundbite they grabbed in this interview with her too, where she was like, it's just vintage Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's it right there. You got it. I agree. You know, like, I don't know, man, this time I was just so floored by this movie. It's just so, so good. So well-crafted. Yeah. Super good. I mean, I, I think I prefer, uh, Jackie Brown. It's a little more mature and subdued. It's a little yeah, bit better. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Psych. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, Kill Bill is also a uh, super awesome movie. It's it's up there with one of my favorites. It's also like his most like commercial of the four of them, which which I I of the four that we've watched so far, um, it's like the most like like pleasing to an a large audience, which which is something I appreciate. Like when filmmakers can do that or prove that they can do it you know then then i'm suddenly i'm like i start paying a little more attention because like it's not like i love filmmakers who are only artistic and uh, you know dive into like these really special indie kind of stuff like i adore it but when i see filmmakers who can do both like suddenly i'm like wow this is this is rad you know like i I love when filmmakers can do both and to me this is like that big bigger commercial uh movie that's kind of pleasing a bunch of people so and probably because it's action maybe that's probably the only reason but it still is like really artsy too so it like it hits both things for me which i i adore i think like for me before inglorious bastards was released this was my favorite i think of all of his films i mean pulp fiction has a special place in my heart you know um same as four dogs another spot same yeah yeah, same as four dogs (laughs) and jackie brown a little bit too but I think Kill Bill, when I saw it, you know, um, for the first time and stuff and, and, and just over and over again, just like just because how epic it is and because I have a love for the spaghetti western and, and just how close it, it is to that, you know, um, and stuff. I, I it, it just like we've already talked about it, and just how so much more epic this film is compared to this previous ones in scope and yeah. and just just the Big. mass just how masterful it is on all levels, right? You know, soundtrack is masterful. The 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 performances that he gets or, or that he makes, you know, are is masterful. You know, the editing yeah. is masterful. Like everything, yeah. the camera work, the cinema, you know, everything. So I think at, to that up to Inglourious Bastards, it was definitely my favorite. But then. I just have to say now Inglourious Bastards is like my favorite, but <laughs> but this is still it's great though because it's it's a little different too because it's so much longer you know it, there's so much more to it um, right but I mean it's tough I mean because all I mean all the Tarantino movies are, are are so different yet similar and 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 everything but yeah I mean there's no for me Kill Bill is special though because it 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 definitely I think it was like it was it it, it it changed the Tarantino from, you know, 90s Tarantino to the Tarantino we now know, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. this That's is like the right bridging there. movie. Yeah. yeah. Right. So For it's sure. it's just cool. And, you know, he's... Yeah, I don't know. It's just... Kill Bill is... I mean, it is, it's just one of my... Of course, it's... it's there. Yeah, it's just... It's, I don't know. It's just incredible. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what... The, all right. It was... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take this one if you, if you don't mind. But it... Kill Bill also spawned a huge wave of student filmmakers who use the synthetic like (laughs) like, I just remember like in video production class like I'd just be sitting there and like we'd be doing projects you know and like three people would have that sound like that and it was like oh god I just I, I hate I hate this but then in Kill Bill, it's like totally fucking awesome, you know. But like the fact that everyone's just like pulling from that, and you know, it's great. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is yeah, I don't know. This is the biggest like m- 
student filmmakers like pull yeah, like, like the soundtrack of this like I would fiction say. too i think the surfer sound or whatever like a yeah, lot of people yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i mean like like i don't have a problem with people like paying homage to tarantino and stuff but sometimes they go a little overboard where it's like it's like dude you are not tarantino you know what i mean like like they there's a few, there's a certain type of filmmaker that they they try to emulate him by trying to pass off as it's their as if it's their own yeah does that make yeah. sense like yeah like yeah and it's like yeah no you that's not original buddy it, sorry it's kind of one of those things <laughs> where like if yeah. everyone like because like tarantino like every, a lot of people like love his movies and like want to emulate that kind of style but the fact that like everyone is trying to do it it kind of like cheapens it a little bit you know like yeah like you know what if you tried to copy you know like malik you know yeah. like no one's Which, well, I'm kind, copy. well i'm kind of seeing that now though is Seriously. people trying to copy yeah Malick? yeah for sure yeah i guess sure. that makes sense now but like gaspar noe or something like that you know gaspar noe like yeah, you don't see you don't example. see people really copying him <laughs> you know? dude right good luck man also right. you're trying like his films are so not commercially marketable either right, yeah. so it's not they're worth uncopyable it. too man essentially like, I don't, yeah i don't think anyone could come up with not nobody yeah not too many people can pull off an eight minute rape sequence <laughs> you know, oh like, yeah right oh my Brutal. god <laughs> that's I, yeah dude i cannot three hour dream sequence yeah it's gonna be i'm excited wait. that's 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 one of my favorite movies is uh I love oh, it. Into the void. Into the void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the, the intro credit sequence that that dun 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 dun. Yeah, like that. It's like all flashing in your face. Like yeah, oh, it's awesome. It's like it. a yeah. strobe light. Like mm-hmm. take your drugs now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're in for a ride. <laughs> and actually, his his. If we do a master class on him, it's like two episodes. He's only done like yeah, four or five movies. Let's yeah, do yeah. it. Enter void would enter the void would. Oh yeah, yeah. We should do that. I because w- I haven't seen Irreversible or um, you haven't seen Irreversible. I actually oh, I I haven't seen that either. Oh, you guys are bad, dude. Oh, I've man. only and seen Enter the Keith, Void. I think Keith is really gonna like it. I think I'm gonna like yeah, it a yeah, lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I just I don't know why I haven't. It's not. I don't have any aversion to what happens in the film yeah. necessarily. I just haven't gotten yeah. around to watching it. And it's that, it's what, incredible. What's his other big one? Um, he love. did I Stand Alone and Love. I Stand, I stand Alone okay, is supposed yes, to be yeah. brutal. I Stand Alone's all right. It's not as brutal, I don't think, as Irreversible, but it's good. It's supposed, I've yeah. heard it was pretty yeah. brutal. And then, uh, yeah, is Love is his new one. <laughs> <laughs> it's his original. It's his... It's, it's, his. Uh, it's highly underrated classic. See, he's one of those weird cross-genre people, though, too, because Love is like a romance. Like, yeah, you know, totally, a, a, yeah, An explicit romance, yeah. actually. And same with Irreversible. Yeah, cool. It's a rom- It's a romantic revenge movie but right in reverse in reverse yeah. <laughs> Ooh. yeah that's the that's the big draw of it is that it plays backwards yeah so that's um, interesting yeah man his i that guy is so strange for sure yeah <laughs> odd odd man yeah um so yeah well we will definitely be touching on him and see the problem is, is like we have such a long list of freaking masterclass directors or whatever, like, and we can't just start shoving them all. Like, I would love to just jump into the next masterclass, <laughs> right, series, right, but right. like, yeah, can't really do that, right? So. <laughs> but we're stuck on Tarantino <laughs> for now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good palate cleanser, I think, for yeah, like the for rest sure. of the series. And like, I, you know, I really think masterclass, especially for Tarantino, is good because like, I don't think you should emulate Tarantino at all. 
you should emulate the people that Tarantino emulates, but you should learn how to make movies from Tarantino because the guy undeniably knows how to make a movie. <clears throat> you know, like Pulp Fiction, absolutely watch that movie and learn everything you can about it and Kill Bill too because like it's just it's it's filmmaking 101 how to make a good movie you know what i mean you know it has, has everything in it you know every type of scene is pretty much in you exactly know, um kill yep. bill so yeah and see, everything the problem is is like people try to emulate tarantino like we were saying and then you get like so he's like yeah i have my italian giallo, giallo film in there most people don't know what Italian giallo is, let alone the movies involved. That, yeah, what, that genre. what is that? I don't know what that is. Actually. It's it's Italian horror. It's a style of Italian horror, like Dario Argento. Ah. Yeah, it's kind of like a big th- horror thriller kind of. Yeah, it's yeah. like horror thriller. It's like got the, it's like it's all about murder, um, and like mystery and deception, and it's about like um, usually I, I'm pretty sure it's usually not like uh, supernatural. Um, mm-hmm. It might have those tones, but the, generally speaking, the way things happen is not supernatural. It's it's, right. it's someone actually dying, being killed by a murderer. Yeah, there's a few uh, crossovers, like like Suspiria is like kind of a, a giallo, but there's yeah, a little bit of a true. super because the witches and stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of a superstition, but it, like Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Cat and Nine Tails, Deep Red, Opera, they're all like Dario Argento films. He Dario Argento is like the godfather. He is of the giallo, giallo the creator, father of giallo yeah. for sure. Um, but then like. Was, we like should do an episode on that after uh, Tarantino. I think that'd be kind of cool. You so? Our feet. Some down. giallo films. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm super down. Yeah. I love Argento. Argento is <laughs> yeah. not awesome, not nine so. of them, but two of them. <laughs> well, Argento is a person you need to like masterclass to. Yeah, for sure. we might like, want to do masterclass uh, sure, sure. with Argento. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we sure, could sure. pull a movie or two from him because he's made like a ton of movies. Because um, yeah. we don't, we probably won't, we probably don't want to talk about all of his films on his masterclass. Clearly not. Pick yeah. pick his like top right. you know, six or something like that. Yeah. For sure. Like yeah. if we if we masterclass like Jackie Chan or something, that's like <laughs> over a hundred movies. <laughs> Good so luck. Yeah. That, that's a year of podcasting. Jesus Man. Christ! So we should do it. <laughs> Just and a year of Jackie Chan. If, if we're doing this podcast for like eleven years, like on year eleven, we should we should masterclass Jackie Chan. Just fuck it. Like by that point, we'll we'll be just be rolling in the Benjamins. It doesn't <laughs> won't matter. You know, we'll be making a ton of mo- uh, money off of Earwolf and Victoria's Se- Secret ads. You know, whatever they uh, damn Adam whatever and Eve. the market is Adam <laughs> and Eve. Yeah. Casper mattresses, Bombus socks, Stamps.com. Yeah. I got it. And Blue Apron. Yes. Oh, Blue Apron. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I use Blue Apron. I kind of like it. I'd be down to be sponsored by Blue Apron because uh, I want to get some free food. Send me some. Dude, <laughs> and it's, actually, it's pretty good food, too. It's pretty. I, I swear to God, we are not a sponsor of Blue Apron. But uh, Blue Apron is actually awesome. Like, I, lo- I love cooking, though. Like, I, I just I love nice. making food, so. But yeah. it's it's pretty good, you know. Made some calzones that were pretty good from Blue Apron. Pretty not bad. <laughs> that just makes me think of Parks and Rec. With I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that. With like no, yeah, they're, they're more like a he tasty pastry. Uh, yeah. It's fine, it's fine cuisine. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> that show that talk about it. Like okay, I hated that Adam show Scott. at first. Adam Scott's the best. And he really is. And uh, yeah. I, did you, I hated that show at first actually, and it took me a while to get into it. But now it's like I think like. That show is so spot on with yeah, like no, the people they casted. Talk about casting, like yeah, I, uh, it's a great show. Um, when I for I was the same way when I watched it, 
because I was like, they're just trying to be The Office, and The Office was like so dear to my heart. You know, it was like this perfect little yeah. television show. You know, it was like right. perfect. I like watched it when I was in high school. So there's like a little love story in there too. You know, it's right. super awesome. And then Parks and Rec comes along, and it's just like this is The Office without the love story like i don't give two shits about this and then i picked it up again was like oh my god this is better than it's better and then you realize that more on point it's just a better show and then you realize that they basically casted people who are those people like yeah like april ludgate (laughs) and aubrey plaza are the same people and ron swanson and nick offerman (laughs) like nick offerman is a woodworker and like loves all the shit that ron swanson does like they're all just I mean, Chris Pratt is a goofball. Like, yeah, he's goofing you know, the fuck. Yeah. yeah, and Adam Scott's a nerd. And actually, that reminds me. Yeah, he, is, yes, I saw. What, I know what you're talking. Where about. Where he got uh, got to meet Mark Hamill for the oh, first yes. time. That was a, yeah, so on, uh, funny. Jimmy Kimmel. He's, oh, it, that was so. Funny. If you watch that, I, could, I had to rewatch it again. You can actually see his hand yeah, shaking. He's shaking. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's, yeah. he's so like. Because he said it was like what two or whatever yeah. that he's or no four or something when he sent a letter, and yeah. like <laughs> never got to meet him until that point. So that was like you almost see it. He's like almost about to cry. Yeah, like, yeah. It was intense. He even uh, says like this is the happiest day of my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. he actually means it. Like yeah. it's no bullshit. Like yeah. he's like telling it to his face. Like no blinking. It's exactly. Crazy. Exactly. Uh, well. Pushing, you said you needed to kind of end this here. So yeah, let's dog. just, you know, we didn't get to cover everything we wanted in Kill Bill. There's so much to talk about, um, but you know, I think we did a pretty good job. Covered a, a good chunk of of this movie for sure. If, yeah. if you had to pick Volume One or Volume Two, what what is your favorite? If you had gun to your head, probably Volume One. Personally, yeah, me too. I, me too. I, I'd have to say Volume Two just because of the I. I I just love the the pacing Brian, and the, the western, western here, Brian. feel Brian. to it. But I, but that, but I mean, I used to always, I kind of, I used to kind of say, I kind of used to say Volume One because I love the action. You know, I love the action. I love it's fucking good. I love yeah. the Giallo um, reference. You know, and the Brian De Palma. I have a, I have a soft spot for Brian De Palma films. So I, I, there's a lot Hard in spot. Volume One that I absolutely love. Um, but I think maybe overall I like Volume Two just because I love the the music and the and the way it, it just kind of it's slower and. Um, but I, in reality, they're one film. Yeah, that's they the thing. Really yeah, are. in reality, yeah. Yeah, but like if I had to choose, it'd be Volume Two. I think. Yeah. You, oh. So you like Number Two? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I knew it. I knew you were Number Two guy. <laughs> I knew that was what you were about. <laughs> Gotta end this on a poop joke, man. Oh man. Oh, Whoa, poop man. joke. <laughs> just like our amazing ending for the last episode. Yeah, <laughs> I dragged to, on for like three minutes. <laughs> we're trying to, I'm trying to two up it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. <laughs> That's it. You got your dad joke in for the episode. I did it. Oh, and also Tarantino's Angel. Nine for nine. I was going to say, because we haven't mentioned that. I was just going to say that. We haven't mentioned the angel yet. I, I almost <laughs> forgot, but I just remembered. So are, I actually are, forgot. Are there any <laughs> angel references in Kill Bill? I don't think there are, are there? I don't think so. I don't no. think so. Because I because there's a there's a cross, you know, on the church, right? But well, what's his right. name? Buck wears a cross too. Oh yeah. So. No, I don't think there's any. He's angel an angel, that guy. Yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. He is. <laughs> Wait, does does Tarantino is Tarantino in this movie? Yeah. He doesn't cameo. Yes, I looked that up because I was like, wait, I didn't see him. Supposedly. He is one of the Crazy Eighty Eight members. Yeah, the that's one of the what bodies. I was gonna guess. Yeah. Mask. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And if you consider these two movies, 
technically i don't think he shows up in kill bill volume two however if you look at imdb it says tarantino as himself voice uncredited oh yeah there is a um oh at the very end of the credits he laughs at the end of the credits there's that blooper Oh, you there is that. The there end? is that. There is that. Yeah, that's no, true. No, I didn't sure watch. I don't watch past Tarantino's the voice is at the end of, like, Uma Thurman's pulling the eye out of the eye patch. Yeah, lady. it's an alternate take. Yeah, and yeah, eye. and she and then she holds it there and, and she's like, "All right, can we do that again?" Like yeah. she was like really excited that she pretended to pull an eye Speaking out. And then of, someone laughs in the background. I'm pretty sure that's Tarantino. No, it is Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say there was a, maybe another spot, but maybe not. But di- okay, so you know, um, let's talk about Samuel Jackson real quick. His character as Rufus, the drifter, yeah. in this. Who is he supposed to be? So there's, an, again, another conspiracy theory yep. about how uh, he is uh, Jules yep. from uh, Pulp Fiction. Because in Pulp Fiction, at the end, how, you know, he's telling Travolta uh, how I'm he wants to be a drifter earth. Yeah. and walk the earth yep. like Kane. And then Rufus is like, yeah, I've been here and I played with them and I played with them, you know? Well, like, yeah, so, but like he play, he says, like, I want to w- walk the earth like Kane in Kung Fu. David Carradine was the main actor in Kung Fu. From Kung Fu, that's right. Yep. And he plays Bill. Um, so there's some, you know, so there's crossover stuff here. Um, and That's one of the more plausible conspiracy yeah, yeah. theories out of yeah. all of them. I think that is pretty plausible. So it's but that, cool. that doesn't go in line with the fact that Kill Bill is a movie inside of Tarantino's universe, right? Right, right, I mean, right. That so like conflicts with that, yeah. that idea. So it's yeah, it's different. It's interesting, but you know yeah, how like you know how the conspiracy theories don't necessarily uh, all tie in together. Right. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of a cool little little you know thing. About yeah. Tarantino's films that it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, there's connections, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, this is the yeah. only, the Kill Bill film, both of them, whatever, are the only films where the N-word isn't said. Oh. Because yeah, in all of his other films, it's been, it's set. It's, Even in Death Proof, huh? I think so, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's in Death Proof. Yeah, I think it's in, yeah. Because um, I want to say the, the lady, uh, the the African-American woman. Oh, she yeah. She says it, I think, Yeah. I don't remember it in Kill Bill, or not Kill Bill, in Glorious Bastards, but I suppose. Um, in Glorious Bastards, it's, uh, Goebbels says it. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Hmm. Oh, Goebbels. No. What a trip. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, so if you have any questions, topic suggestions, opinions, or if you have any fact corrections, go ahead and send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. We're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our website, btbfilmspodcast.wixsite.com slash back-to-back to comment on or eventually comment on and discuss this week's episode uh, or any past ideas, whatever. We just want some trying to eventually get some discussion going on there. I want to be able to talk to people and, and you know, kind of interact with anyone who ends up listening. Uh, you can also listen to past episodes there. Those past episodes can also be found at soundcloud.com slash films. Uh, our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at skinnyproducing.com. Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week, we'll be covering Death Proof in Inglorious Bastards. So make sure you watch the films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs>